Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Recap, the Escapist Weekly Live Show, all about the latest in movies, TV, and streaming. Uh, this is episode number 39 for Tuesday, July 18th. My name is Marty Sleva, and I am joined by Darren Mooney and Frost. How are you guys doing? Straight up overdosed on Nolan, bro. Oh, no. <laughs> Nolan appreciates oh, no. Nolan bros. You make it sound like you've been juicing them. You just put them into a blender and drink their essence. All four of them. So yes. <laughs> yeah. People keep writing Christopher and Josh and Jonathan Rudolph. <laughs> you just, yeah, well, it's all the, all the apostles of Nolan are yeah, here. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> welcome, everyone. Uh, we, we have a wonderful show for you today. Uh, as you can see, our main topic is going to be uh, just, a, just a big old chat about uh, Christopher Nolan and, and his uh, filmography and how, like... I mean, I know we it's it's no secret. Darren has literally written a book on on Christopher Nolan as a big fan. But I think like Darren, if I had to pick one director who might be uh, emblematic of, of this century in films, I feel like Christopher Nolan would would be very much on that short list. Um, I think he, the thing about Nolan is like and everyone's always like, is he your favorite director? Do you think he is the best director working right now? And that's a very loaded question. The answer sure. is, I think he's the only director working at the level he is, making the projects he is with the freedom that he has. And I think that is primarily what I respond to yeah. about Nolan as a director, where there are other directors making comparable projects. There are mm -hmm. other directors who've gone from making indies to making blockbusters. Uh, you know, Ryan Coogler off the top of my head, Chloe Zhao. But all those have gone and been tied to studio intellectual properties. There's nobody making their Inception or their Interstellar or mm -hmm. their Tenet or their Dunkirk. or their three-hour partially black and white biopic of J. Robert Oppenheimer that is releasing on the like third weekend of July in the middle of summer blockbuster season, squeezing Tom Cruise out of those. I was about to say wrangling IMAX <laughs> screens away from Tom Cruise. Let me tell you, uh, I don't have an IMAX in my town. I have a premium screen. It's called an ultra screen. Oh. And I looked on Friday, ultra screen. Barbie's on it. I'm like, what are we doing here? <laughs> and you know what? I looked at the showings, almost sold out. So yeah. I'm like, well, oh, maybe they like pivoted. Maybe, yeah, you got to You got to give the give the people what they want. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna have a big old chat on uh, Christopher Nolan. Uh, a bunch of stuff we've been watching, uh, including uh, obviously a Nolan rewatch. Uh, uh, Darren has seen Oppenheimer, so he'll give some some non spoiler opinions on that. Uh, all sorts of all sorts of good stuff. And then, uh, but first, we wanted to get started. Uh, sort of a little update. Uh, what was it? Two, uh, two months ago, I guess early early May. Uh, Second of May, Guild, I believe. Yeah. Second of May, Writers Guild went on strike. We talked about it. How it might. Uh, uh, like what they were fighting for, how it might impact uh, shows and movies going forward. Um, and then uh, uh, now, as expected, the Screen Actors Guild have joined them. Uh, they also went on strike, uh, I believe, last Friday, uh, which is the first time that two of the major guilds have been on strike simultaneously, I think, since the 60s. And I believe they said Ronald Reagan. Yeah, Reagan. Was yes. It then. Yeah. So, yeah. That was God, just like where we that are be the now? last good thing Ronald Reagan did in his life. I think he did legalize no fault divorce after that. To be fair, did die. Okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> counterpoint. Good counterpoint. I like that. <laughs> Going all, on top. <laughs> for all your all your point counterpoint, hot political takes here on the recap. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, the Screen Actors Guild uh, uh, is is joining. They're also on strike. Um, a lot of the big issues uh, include uh, AI, including some. Stories that came out of the stipulations of where studios wanted the ability to have a background extra come in for one day's work for them to scan their entire body like Hideo Kojima does in his soul sucking machine. And then for them to be able to use uh, that person's image in any way they want for the history of time 
without them having to pay that person again. And so AI is obviously a big issue. Uh, uh, viewership uh, transparency and residuals in terms of streaming services, like how many people are actually watching these things, which I think the studios are uh, hesitant to actually show because those numbers have been juiced uh, since the beginning and which those are the things propping up the stock prices. And so I think if you show those numbers, then the entire house of cards, no pun intended in the streaming services, uh, starts to tumble. Yes. This is most of people just falling asleep on that. The classic example is like Netflix used to monitor. It was the first 30 seconds. If you watch the first 30 seconds, it counted as a view. So it's like, if you weren't fast enough to hit the button, to stop yeah. the autoplay, you yeah. had technically watched all of like, I didn't mean to. It ruins the continue watching. Cause I've got all <laughs> yeah. these films that I've barely looked at. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. And then, you know, other things, just simple things like increasing base pay to uh, a level that is matched with uh, inflation and uh, just like very modest workplace things like like uh, either overtime pay or fair pay for breaks and for lunches and things lunch, like that. Like, like yeah, like those should be just common decency things. Uh, and this was paired with uh, uh, reports uh, in the trades of unnamed sources from uh, uh, various studios saying that their goal is ultimately to for for the writers was to pretty much starve them out like genuine movie villain, uh, uh, ambitions of the oh, the writers will will come groveling back and take a lower deal once they start being unable to pay their mortgages and their rent, which is fucking just like baffling and terrifying to hear these like super villains like like i mean the, the heads of pretty much all these studios saying that um and so i, th I think with the addition of of the screen like the actors like this thing's this feels like this is going to be for the long haul in my opinion yes. if anything to just stall dc a little longer <laughs> Well, I mean, th this is the thing where there are obviously divisions within the motion pictures producers, the AMPTP, basically, the, um, the American Motion Picture and Television Producers Union, because it involves two factions primarily. The first are the traditional studios, which are the ones we've always known. Those are the ones, you know, they're, they're Warner Brothers, they're Disney, they're Paramount, etc. And those are going to start feeling the squeeze in like September when, you know, grandma turns on the tv and that sweet handsome mark Harmon isn't on screen like he's supposed to be yeah. ncis scott bakula isn't in new orleans doing no. his accent anymore yeah. um and they're gonna start feeling squeezed then i think you pointed out that they've already begun moving like yellowstone and kind of like miss marvel into yeah. fill the gaps in the schedule and that's just yeah. gonna get worse as we get yeah. into august and september when that's supposed to start the yep, movie yep. studios are gonna feel the crunch like next may when their blockbuster slate is not ready the irony of like having a summer that is so packed this year and a summer that's going to be mostly empty next year. Yeah. But the other hand is like, while those studios will feel that strain, the issue is that like you have the new arrivals in the room who are the Amazons, the Netflixes and the Apples, right? Mm -hmm. And they are global corporations, not just American corporations. And so what they see this strike as an opportunity to do, according to insiders, according to rumors, nobody has gone on record about anything. Sure, sure. But the, but the idea is if you are these corporations and you're 
Amazon, who's producing shows in India, which are not bound by these unions. If you're Netflix and you're building out a Squid Game franchise, uh, you know, in South Korea, a Lupin franchise uh, over in France. If you're building spinoffs of all your properties for Spanish language markets that are not bound by union rules. If you're Apple and you can just throw money at whatever you want anywhere mm-hmm. in the world, you're like, this is actually a pretty good opportunity for us to completely humble the American studios that are dependent on American labor to do it. And so it's going to be really interesting watching the push and pull because I believe, according to representatives of the AMPTP, they don't operate by a majority rule situation. Apparently it's it's they operate by consensus. You require complete agreement or at least overwhelming majority of agreement between parties to drive a negotiation. And so you have this interesting tension where it's like, all the studios right now are bound together in that they really want to screw the little guy. Really, really want to screw the little guy. Um, like, it's a Bob Iger giving speeches about people needing to learn within their means from his yacht. Yeah. Um, yeah. Staggeringly tone-deaf moment. Um, but as things go drag on, you're going to see a lot more tension between the studios that can weather this storm, the Amazons, the Apples, the Netflixes, and those that are going to feel more of a pinch, um, like your Disney's, for example. I think Iger's already signaled that he's ready to sell ABC, um, and he may yeah, sell and, ESPN. Yeah, and in a long yeah. time, they've been talking about ESPN, uh, yeah. just because the the rights to... to um uh, to, to broadcast those specific sports are getting expensive. And there's always been talks of like Apple wanting to really get into it. Apple's already going to be showing some NFL games this year. So um, yeah, I could see, I could see ABC and Apple being spun off and, and that sort of being able to, uh, I don't know, patch some of the leaks in the ship, but uh, it's a bad time for this to be happening to Disney because uh, you know, both star Wars and Marvel, which were their cash cows, five, ten years ago, um, you know, they're they're hitting low points. Star Wars, who knows what the hell's going on? They just had the uh, the very strange red carpet for <laughs> on Mansion. On Mansion, which, yeah. yeah. So part of the things, uh, actors, like, it's not just you can't appear in movies, like, like they're just not striking from that, but it's not publicizing their movies. So, like, every San Diego Comic-Con panel is getting canceled. Uh, red carpets, actors are not going to them. Famously, the Oppenheimer, uh, the, the strike occurred mid-Oppenheimer premiere red carpet, and the actors left the red carpet. Like, it wasn't like a big dramatic thing. They yeah. knew this was going to happen, and yeah. Yeah, everyone supported them and everything. But the uh, Haunted Mansion, the upcoming live-action uh, Disney movie, uh, the red carpet didn't have any of the actors, and so it was the director, and it was just Disney characters. Yeah, Mickey Mouse is a scab. Yeah. Cruella DeVille. Let's be fair. But to be fair, those actors are not members of SAG. Those those this performers are not members of the Screen Actor Guild. To be clear, we should not accuse them of being scammed. Oh, no, 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 I, yeah. no, no, yeah. I'd absolutely yeah. not do that. There, but, yeah, there's even like, been some, there's even been talk of like, oh, can people cover movies? Are you a scab if you cover movies? It's like, no, no, that's not, that's not how this yeah. works. Yeah, no, yeah, no those guilds are, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Hot ones is, they're going to start pulling random people off the streets. <laughs> <laughs> But again, I'm waiting for Nolan to go on the hot ones. Like Killian Murphy was supposed yeah. to do it. Killian Murphy was not supposed to do it. But like not Damon or like yeah, well, yeah it would absolutely be Damon or, or Downey. Yeah. Oh, Downey, yeah. yeah. But like Nolan doing hot ones. Yeah. <laughs> Are you yeah, ready this- for the bomb? Yeah. Oh God. I, oh, that would be really. How have they not done this yet? Incredible. Uh, but no, sorry. We I, I got really derailed. The uh, director of Haunted Mansion is supposedly the lead writer on the Lando series. Remember when a Lando series was announced? Uh, and still? They asked him what's going on with the Lando series, and he says, I haven't had any updates since 2020. <laughs> I think that was the year the Lando series was announced. So, 
uh, I think that's just indicative of uh, uh, Marvel and Star Wars are not currently in a great place. Um, also, a side note, I think Secret Invasion's bad. Oh, you finished that's, it. That's another topic. Well, I'm caught. I'm caught up. Uh, okay. Just watch or a, Secret Taylor Spy six, right? or Slow Horses. Four of yeah. six. Yeah, I believe five comes out tomorrow. They or should do an idol. Or. Just end it at five. Just yeah. pull an idol and just, there was just, always five. It was always going to be five. It's <laughs> always five. Get the weekend in there. See if he's a scroll. Everything's fine. Um, but uh, yeah, it's um, um, it's it's going to be interesting going forward. Fall festivals. They said none of the actors are going to be there, which I'm like, yeah. I don't know. Fine. Just show the movies and have people buy that. Oh, you don't need all the actors there. But uh it's it's going to be strange. They're even talking about like what's going to happen. Are they going to have to push the Emmys? Because the, the Emmys currently the uh, nominations went out, but they don't know when it's going to be. They can't hold an Emmy ceremony if none of the actors are there. Nope. So they're like, is October too? Is January too early? Like what? Like what? When do you think this is going to be done? Um, but these are dark times. We might go back to Fear Factor and that kind of stuff. Oh no. Well, well Joe Rogan the- goes back to eating bugs instead of uh, <laughs> trying to tear down democracy one podcast at a time. Then I'd be fine with that. That was again. That's that's arguably the cornerstone of the Zaslav Empire: reality television. And where did reality yeah. television really take root uh, during the writer strike? Now, to be fair, that's an exaggeration. It, it had taken all root during yeah. the you know early two thousands, but it really, really hunkered in uh, yeah. during the two thousand eight writer strike. Yeah, ah, fun, fun. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see like. I don't know. My thing is from from a viewership perspective, uh, I'm sure everyone is like me. My backlog is miles long. Yeah. So like if anything, I'm like, oh, this is it's like when the power goes out and I'm like, oh, I have fewer things to choose from to do. Like, I'll read a book. This sounds nice. Yeah. (laughs) I have a Game Boy with some battery left. I'll play this. Um, Thank you for the content, Glot Hollywood. This is really useful. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but obviously, uh, I mean, I don't want to speak for you guys, but obviously we're, we're always going to be on the side of the, the word. I just spoke for you guys. We're always going to be on the side <laughs> of the little guy of the working man. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I, I hope they get, uh, everything they want. And I hope these, uh, these billionaires who get hundreds of millions of dollars in paydays at the end of their contracts, um, get f- less than hundreds of millions of dollars at the end of the day. Cause no one deserves to make that much money. Yeah, what, are you, what are you doing? What are you doing with all that kind of money? What are you doing? What are you? Once you get one million dollars, you shouldn't be able to go over. <laughs> you get one million dollars, and you gotta, you like in order to make everything more, you over, you gotta give. Yeah, yeah, every, yeah, yeah. Name a library after you as they used to, and that's yeah, it. We're done with <laughs> there you go. Um, uh, going over some super chats quick before we uh, before we transition to the Nolan stuff. Uh, Quintuple A, thank you so much. Four ninety nine dono. Can't stay and watch the show live, but Darren, I liked your two fifty podcast on uh, Indiana Jones and Dial of Destiny. First podcast I've listened to that was longer than the film covered. What? Congratulations! Yeah, the podcast tends to go long. We we, we tend to get into tangents on things. So I, I co host with a, another guy, Andrew, who is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But occasionally we get derailed into conversations we do not anticipate. Like if we're talking about Chucky. Andrew will occasionally throw a, a fastball at myself and the guest and ask, fuck, marry, kill, Chucky, Freddy, or Jason. And it's like, okay, well, that is that is 20 minutes That's of this conversation. <laughs> Are you open to guests? I'm like, I'm like, Andrew, I've done a bunch of research. Yeah, it's very uncomfortable when I'm like, so I'm going to leave. I'm going to answer that. But the guest, the guest does not feel any obligation to. <laughs> Um, you don't have to say if you want to fuck Mary or kill a small doll. 
wait, what Freddy I is lose, the tough Chucky one there. Can't be one of the two fifty movies on IMDb, is it? No, no, that was Andrew's Andrew's idea. Andrew always wanted to watch the Chucky movie, so we came up. We just made it. We cheated. Oh, that's you watched all the Chucky. Yeah, I remember when you watched all the Chucky movies uh, a couple months yeah. ago. Yeah, that was that was like keeping my podcast husband happy. Where it's like, yeah. look, we'll talk. We'll talk <laughs> about want- Oppenheimer. Yeah, and I will do a little Chucky movies. Okay, I'll give you this one. Uh, and then Dorian King with 10 Canadian dollars. Thank you so much, Dorian. Uh, just popping in to give money for the weekly entertainment. Darren, your stream of consciousness is truly a work of art, and I'm envious of your ability to remain coherent while ranting. Do you know what the key is? Is taking taking breaths in the middle is of it, Is it a danger? Is there a risk, Darren, that you might not come back? I, I go like, too oh. far at some stage. I've just wandered and I'm suddenly like, oh. and this is what I think about the 1933 New, New Deal Democrats platform. And it's like, <laughs> it's and that is why out, secret. Right? In, yeah, that is why Secret Invasion is a bad TV show. Um, yeah, no, thank, thank you very much. I'm always uh, watching the Oppenheimer press tour is fascinating because it's like getting to see Irish modesty in action where I'm like, yeah, Killian Murphy, it's just a genetic trait. Irish people are deeply uncomfortable being told that they are in any way adequate. Um, or English. Competent. So you're both British? No, I'm Irish. Uh, doesn't he say same thing? Yeah, it's the same thing as a Norris. Oh. Tom Hardy. Who, Double who, down. It's, yeah, Tom Hardy yeah. was also known yeah. for in interviews yeah. just being like, all right. You know, giving yeah. the cold shoulder to Leo in interviews, he's just like, oh, don't do this. I'm trying to save you. Yeah. I'm trying to save you. Um, oh, and the other, I didn't have this, I didn't have this on the list, but uh, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. The, the Miyazaki movie premiered in yes. uh, Japan. Uh, How Do You Live, which will be called The Boy and the Heron. When it releases in the West uh, later this year, spoilers, Marty. Spoilers. Oh, there's a heron. Wait, we knew that there was a heron. I guess we didn't know there was a boy in it. We knew there was a heron. I guess we didn't know there was. We knew there was a large bird. Right. Yeah, of some guy. Uh, but like, if you write down ten large birds, heron might be on that list. Um, yeah. Still haven't released any public stills. Still haven't released uh, publicly who the cast is. Still haven't released synopsis or uh, or a trailer or anything. Uh, but some obviously. One one thing I really like is. Uh, 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 obviously some things have come out. You can read a synopsis on Wikipedia because there's there's no way to keep that secret. But a lot of people in Japan have been like, we're going to try to keep this a secret as well. Aww. And so there hasn't been this like social media deluge of everything. Mm-hmm. And I, I even know, I know people who live in Japan in the games industry and have been like, I don't want to tell you what this movie's about, but I thought it was great. It was great. It was Aww. dark. It was mature. Like it's, this would be a fitting send off if this is Miyazaki's last movie. And so I'm, I'm really excited. Like, like his last three movies. Have been. Like his last three last movies. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just like uh, Tarantino's next movie will be his last movie. Did you I see think- that by the way, transition to, to Chris, Christopher Nolan? The critic. Cause they were asking about Nolan. Oh, sorry. Were you going to talk about Miyazaki quick? Well, I was just going to make the point about Miyazaki is that like, what I find really interesting about that movie is it's the second biggest opening of a Studio Ghibli film in Japan and nobody knew anything about it aside from the title and the poster. Can you imagine a director in the world, in America, who could be like, well, you get a poster and you get a title and show up if you want. I don't. And then being like the second that. highest grossing studio I, film. I would love that instead of being inundated with, with fucking choice. I was talking about this the other day of like, man, I'm already kind of getting kind of tired of Superman Legacy. 
What? Like what nothing this? has happened, and uh, there's just constant updates to the cast yeah, and who yeah. these characters are playing, and think pieces about oh, well, well Nathan Fillion's playing this this Green Lantern. I'm like, oh my god! Like, can we just not think about it until we can at least see it on the horizon? Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm alone in that, but I, think I feel the same way about games. So. I, I feel like <laughs> you're, you're in too deep at that point because <laughs> I'm still trying to maintain that like early 2000s where you drive by the theater and you're like, quick, what did the poster look like? Oh, yeah, oh, that looks neat. Let's go in. Yeah. yeah. But for someone, if you're on Twitter or anything that has to do with news of the space, it's just like, well, the cast has changed. And have you seen this cast announcement for this movie five years ago? Yeah. Behind the like, scenes trouble. It's been edited. It's been reshot. It was yeah. taken away from the director. There were yeah. rewrites. There were re- yeah. Until it's yeah. out, I don't care. Until it's yeah. out, now you can't take it back. Now I care. Unless kinda, you're cast. Uh, in which me. case, you can keep tinkering with it while it's in the film. Or, or the uh, Snyder Cut, you know. So. Rinton tinkering. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of sometimes wish I was a normie that just didn't know about things until they were on my lap. And I kind of, like, I, 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 I remember being in uh, theaters, like, God, it might have been Guardians of the Galaxy in theaters early May. There's a trailer for Dial of Destiny, and someone behind me was like, making a new Indiana Jones? And I'm like, that's what I want. Oh, I want yeah, that. No, of like, a movie's a month out and not knowing a thing yeah, exists. That, that's me. Like, oh. I used Because I used to go to the cinema more often, but I would plan around whatever trailers played in, in the movie. It was like, oh, it's cool. And then for that one, and they just kept that way. I don't read articles. What do I care what a tomato thinks? You know, like... <laughs> Especially a rotting one. A rotting one. (laughs) It's not even an heirloom tomato. Uh, And then uh, Lampy with a five pound dono. Thank you so much. Uh, You see the strike lacks as you see the strike is lacking in content. I see it as a chance for Marty to catch up on his animes. Time for One Piece, Marty. No excuse. There are a thousand episodes of One Piece. Yes. 20 Uh, odd years, right? Yeah. 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 I may actually, I will, I will play The Last of Us. The the writer's strike may be the thing that gets me to playing The Last of Us. It's finally, it's finally going to happen. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Once you, because we were giving you a grace period through Barbie and Oppenheimer. We're yeah, almost through Barbie and Oppenheimer. We are now almost through Oppenheimer. Yeah. Now the Amherst. Yeah, and to <laughs> I think I think the loose the loose plan for the Last of Us is going to be Darren's going to play it on his own. Uh, 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 right up. No, like we're going to turn it in the frame into a video, and then we're going to do a we're going to do a beefy stream. You're not going to stream. You're going to join us for the stream. Your first oh, game cool. Fantastic. stream. Fantastic. And so so you'll join us for a beefy stream probably sometime yeah. in August. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I'm gonna note it. as I go, a note take as I go, kind of diary stuff. So there'll be options there anyway. Yeah, um, yeah. So okay. if people want the "Why am I walking into walls?" experience, they can probably have that. But if people want the "Hey, this is the cinematic language, and I put some thought into it," they can yeah. have that as well. Why am I walking in the walls? <laughs> How come when I move up on the analog stick, my character looks down? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, so yeah, tune in. Uh, uh, stay tuned. For- oh no! And then the t- transition to no how am one, I supposed uh, to shoot these things if they keep moving while I'm aiming? Um, <laughs> this isn't fair. Don't worry. There's a baby. When I replayed it on stream, I put it on baby mode. It was great. Okay, I still died right. several times. That's that's on me. That's See, that, you'll probably be better than it me. It was um, in, a, in a cold take I did for the Last of Us where I said it feels like if I just showed up and I said, "All right, you're the protagonist." Here's your lines that will appear as they go. <laughs> Everyone knows that their place. Everyone knows what they're going to do. Yeah. And now action. And I'm just like, all right, now yeah. what? And now who? And now, uh, <laughs> the, the cinematic approach to video games is something I'm not very fond of. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry, the, uh, the, the transition to Nolan, uh, in an in interview, uh, they asked him, uh, uh, I think they asked him, like, what? 
a bunch of dumb questions of like, are you going to do a superhero movie? He said, no. He said, are you going to do a Star Wars movie? He's like, I don't know. And then they asked, like, are you ever going to retire from directing? And he's like, no, I can't imagine not telling stories. Um, And they said, well, what do you think about Quentin Tarantino saying his next movie is going to be his last? And his response was, you believed him? (laughs) So I truly think think so. This Tarantino (laughs) thing, he'll say it's his last in the same way that Spirited Away was Miyazaki's last movie. (laughs) Yeah, I do, I do quite like that we're getting proper like Nolan troll. Like again, yeah, the, the the fact that so much of the press coverage of like Barbie is like Greta Gerwig sitting down and saying, "Well, my influences were like Jacques Tati and Powell and Pressburger, Black Narcissus and the Red Shoes." And you cut to the like, Oppenheimer press tour, and Emily Blunt's like, "Yeah, Chris couldn't stop raving about Tokyo Drift, Fast yeah. and Furious Tokyo Drift. He just he loves it so much." See, we're <laughs> connected. I that's my favorite of the Fast and Furious. <laughs> Chris and I. We I mean, like that isn't that the chef thing don't like chefs love eat to eat garbage like good chefs yes. love to eat garbage yes. food when Absolutely. yeah yeah because it just I takes don't... you to some place that like, the more like a sterile ones don't <laughs> yeah you know? you're not risking anything <laughs> <laughs> you know exactly. the, the, the mcgruber thing that like the, the the script read of mcgruber they get a, or the tv show they get a letter from nolan saying the fate of the world is resting on your shoulders yeah. um, <laughs> when is when's nolan gonna do his mcgruber movie maybe next Maybe next, like that's the before thing. After you don't know what he's do yeah, before oh, after his bond, that's the question. They have to be knocking on his door, right? The Broncos. Oh, they, well, he's talked about this. He said that, like, yeah. yeah, he they there's like a perfect point in his, and I like that he's honest about it. He's like, there's a perfect point in my career to make a Bond movie, and I've passed it on the way up. Oh. So it would have been around the time I'd done one of the Batman's. If they come knocking at my door and said I could make a Bond movie, I would have jumped at it. Now, if I go and make a Bond movie, it derails my career. So. Yeah. My my plan now is to just wait out there doing their Christopher Nolan phase and catch them on the downslope of my career when it's like that's the only way that I'll get that level budget and that level freedom. And I'm like, I like that you you have this planned out. Yeah. Four yeah, dimensional like, chess. Yeah, yeah. You're game planning this. That's this what is, I love about, uh, about the two of them because this is what is it? Tarantino is saying this is his last one because he says uh, aside, critic, aside yeah. from Ten. um yeah. what was it? Aside from Death Proof. He said, I have a spotless record. <laughs> I want out, I death, want to be right? considered the, the director with the most impressive filmography. Like the cleanest yeah. 10. He wants to be the, the Valve. He wants to, to, to talk about what we talked about with slightly something else. Valve was afraid to release a game because they're like, oh no, we're batting a thousand. We can't touch anything. Yeah, that's, that's um, what I would do. It's like never release a game. The key is one. to just grow a mustache and talk in a French accent and direct it as like Twentin Carantino. Like that's the that's the Quentin, solution to this problem. I think yeah. that's beautiful. Quentin. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's I think that's absolutely incredible. Um, you invite yeah, so, him on like the late late show, and he's like, "I do not know this Quentin Tarantino, but I will tell you the best John Woo film is Hard Boiled." Um, <laughs> I do not like the feet. I'm all about the hands. <laughs> uh, uh, the weirdest transition to Nolan. Uh, one of the I think one of the most impressive things about Nolan is. Um, that he doesn't take big gaps between movies. It feels like as soon as a movie is out, he is working on his next one. Um, since uh, so his his original film, uh, his first feature length film, The Following, which is kind of the movie one that like that's almost like Pi, where like a lot of people haven't seen or THX, like a lot of people haven't seen it, but um, uh, that is the one that that you know got him his start and then obviously Memento in two thousand, and then the longest gap between any two movies is three years, right? Which is feels like a normal gap in movies when in when you're making them of this scale um blows my mind that batman begins and the prestige came out back to back years like yeah how the hell does that happen 
Well, because he shoots incredibly quickly. Like the thing about Nolan and people ask, like, how does he get to keep doing what he's doing? The Jesse, even people who don't like Nolan, they have the Jesse Pinkman. How can he keep getting away with this? Mm -hmm. And it's like the reason he gets away with this is because he is incredibly efficient. He will hand money back to the studio at the end of the shoot and he will come in under like schedule. He'll come in like ahead of schedule. I think Oppenheimer shot in 57 days, which is incredible when you think of it as a three hour movie that spans, you know, the, the better part of 40 years in the life of its title character and like dunkirk came in in 67 days i think or 69 what? days giggity yeah yeah like it's, 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 he shoots he shoots incredibly quickly um he also writes incredibly quickly and he works incredibly quickly and he doesn't make mistakes and he will give your money back the famous you know the famous story about uh is it like interstellar yeah the corn where like that movie yeah the corn that movie turned oh, a profit yeah. almost before it released because yeah. nolan grew actual corn and then sold it yeah. And it turns out he does care. Nolan Crackcorn and he do care. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that took me aback. I was literally taken aback by that. I was going to say, I watched Interstellar last night, but I don't know what to do now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's Nolan's corniest movie. Um, it, it's, uh, uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> it is. More ways than one. Um, <laughs> So uh, we've all, uh, I think we've all been been doing, finished, uh, did some form of a Nolan rewatch. Uh, I, I got up to Interstellar last night, so I'm going to do uh, Dunkirk and Tenet over the next couple nights before seeing uh, Oppenheimer this weekend. Um, I know, Frost, you you rewatched a bunch of stuff, and uh, D- Darren, I feel like they're always just probably on the loop in whatever yeah, room. Yeah, in the background, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I have the Inception room, I have the Dark yeah, Knight room, and then, yeah. extreme numbers. insomnia and following rotating yeah. kids. Yeah. Have you seen, though, Darren, if anyone of us has watched it, have you seen Larceny? The film that no one has ever seen? No. That's it. Yeah, yeah, I've I've been unable to see it as well. I tried, yeah. Uh, all right, so Nolan. I haven't it, seen Larceny or Doodlebug or what was the other show? Quay? Tarantella and Quay. Quay. Yeah, well, yeah. The, the, yeah. But the, the thing, Quay, Quay K is like a, a documentary type. It's documentary, yeah. Oh, We're okay. talking about his okay, first, about the his first yeah. like, few films that he made. Apparently, they were so freaking good, like one of the best ones ever made, but no one's seen it. And he holds one of the like five copies in the world and he doesn't want anyone to see them. So I was like, Darren, surely you, of all people, <laughs> nope, have seen Larceny. Nope. I want to know. No, I tried, it. and I could not. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, it was only shown yeah. at the 1996 Cambridge Film Festivals. Yeah, and people were like, this is the best short film that has ever been made. And it's like, now nobody will challenge it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's how you make something cool, right? Is yeah. you'd be like, well, this will never be seen again. So this is a... No revisionist account. Um, yeah. It's like, no backlash. Um, in uh in in your rewatch frost did anything anything stand out we don't need to like you know we're not we don't need to go in depth on every every one of his movies but like did what what stood out to you something did did, did a certain movie did a certain scene did a did a a theme of nolan's uh did a, did a performance right. uh what what stood out to you all right so I, I appreciate nolan for almost like the other side of the same coin as to what darren's appreciation goes because darren knows about like nolan's subconscious is, is the metaphor is the, the the mythos the legends that he looks into and all that kind of stuff whereas me I go, I just, it's in that same way when people say, like, he's such a strange director, like, he's so pretentious and whatnot, where I go, do you like tables? And they're like, tables? It's like, yeah, like, you ever seen a table and you just go, no, that's a good table? It's like, no, but have you ever seen a carpenter, a very skilled carpenter, go to work and making a table and you just, like, stare and gawk at it? In the end, you don't have any really, any love or warmth for this table, but just getting to see 
all the bits going and, and, and a master going for it. And then in the end, it's like, boom, there it is. Take whatever you will of that. Make of my life what you will of that. And that, so I'd say my favorite one is following because it is like the prototype to just so much of whatever he's going for. Even some of the parts that didn't work too well in that sense of like, why was it out of order and also like really strange bleeding and who's, who's who there. <laughs> Where uh, he's like, I wanted to capture that uncertainty of, of the mystery. I was like, well, you did it. And I don't know if you <laughs> want them to feel that, but you went for it. You tried it in, in that kind of sense. And yeah, I, th- I think out of in my rewatch, again, it is just following. But all throughout, Nolan to me is that guy that just goes, Wikipedia article. It's like, but what if? Just made a story out of that, right? What if Antero Great Amnesia? What if, what if this um, the Inception? You know, what if what if what if theory of relativity? Um, what if theory of relativity. Yeah. What if it's ma- gravity? The answer is gravity and love. Yeah. What if what if two brothers and doing magic? You know, like yeah. That, it is just that simple, and then it just has more depth that it carries on through it to the point where it's almost so open ended that anyone can draw anything, or if you want to draw nothing from it, it's just a little story. If that's what you want. So that's that's why that grabs me. That's why I'm a big fan. But overall, it's it's something of like I I play to the strengths of the medium. If it's a book, I want I want to read books that can do things that films and video games can't. And the same thing for music. I feel like Nolan's one of those that's just like yeah, I love the art of film, and I want to do things that films can do and no other mediums can. And it's that love of like I'm gonna keep pushing that. In the sense of, of like, it's almost a shame that we've got Darren on, like, The Last of Us, where I feel like almost Viewfinder and Superliminal would be better for that very, like, narrative. This is the way video games tell games stories, too, yeah. you know? And that's, mm-hmm. it is more admiration than just like, do you really think it's the, these are the best movies? I was like, I think they're my favorite. <laughs> I don't think they're the best, but I think they are my favorite. I think, uh, one of, uh, one of the things that, that, uh, I really, cling to with him is his movies feel like popcorn that's good for you like if popcorn was healthy like because he he makes extremely entertaining movies and and i think some are incredibly successful i think some are way less successful i think some have some major flaws to them um but he is like he is going to be for the rest of my life. I am there day one to see this in the theater because he is like in my mind. He these are the kinds of movies that I want to be sitting in my perfect seat in the theater in the in the, uh, 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 like sort of f- close ish to the to the in the back section, close ish to the front, but to the right. Like I want him. I, I, I also oh, right, right. Daniel right. Kennedy right now. Do you feel like Tom Cruise? Back like, into the right. yeah, this like is cinema. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I even say that like for the, for the theater. Nolan is in my like five reasons to go to the theater. So you get like Roland Emmerich, Christopher Nolan, James Cameron, anime. It's like the, those, those are the reasons to see cinema. The, that is inside of us. There are five. There are five wolves. Five those are wolves, your five yeah. wolves. Um, but are they pulling a sled in this case? And the sled yeah, is cinema. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, like, obviously, his his um, how he kind of redefined superhero movies, and for better or worse, ushered in the last almost twenty years of of pop culture uh, with with the Batman trilogy uh, to. Um, you know, in between doing a movie that is ge- each movie feels different and is genuinely interesting. Like I, there's so much I love about the prestige and about inception and about interstellar and, and 
Dunkirk and Tenet and everything. Um, just a, a, a fascinating uh, director. And every time I watch his movies, I get something else from them, even the ones I've seen a fucking thousand times. Yeah, I mean, like, they're I'm a populist guy. I'm a big church guy. I like cinema as a mass experience. It's like the idea of going into a dark room with a bunch of strangers, watching something on a screen and having a shared collective experience and reaction to it. And like the dark night will be one of my favorite cinematic memories ever going in on the Friday night. It releases here in Ireland with my partner at the time, my brother having heard this was good shock horror, a Batman movie that deserves to be in the conversation, maybe of the best movies ever made in a room full of people who are similarly excited, the kind of vibes, the shaking, the, the movie, and then the movie playing out, the reactions. Like, again, it's this big idea of cinema as a populist shared experience. That's something that Nolan is is preoccupied with and is fascinated with. And I find it fascinating that, like, as much as he's branded an elitist or as much as, like, the criticisms of him are that he's, like, overly cerebral or he makes, what's the argument? He makes smart but dumb people's ideas of smart movies which is yeah. a really condescending argument that really frustrates me he makes these movies that are accessible to people he makes he made a movie about the theory of relativity about the idea of how black holes affect gravity and gravity affects the perception of time that made 700 million dollars at the global box office the last live action non-ip derived movie to gross over 700 million dollars mm-hmm. at the global box office was about the theory of relativity and it was one that my parents could watch and enjoy my parents are going to the cinema to see you know they go to the cinema to see like dead reckoning part one and they will probably go and see oppenheimer as well and it's like can you imagine trying to sell people on the idea that a movie about the father of the atomic bomb that is three hours long partially shot in black and white should be a summer blockbuster by rights how do you manage to pull that off that is what i love about nolan as a director is that he's he finds a way to take these ideas that are fundamentally anti-commercial that are surreal and odd and like shouldn't work in any way shape or form even something like tenet which underperformed in the pandemic still did remarkably well internationally for a movie Mm. that is almost designed to be incomprehensible as an intellectual experience the first time around the the movie like that's not a bug that's a feature the movie literally tells you don't try to understand it feel it i think the movie holds up i think the logic of it holds up if you think about it i wasn't ever particularly confused by it it took me a couple of years to figure out like the finer details of like straw diagrams of what was happening but i was able to follow along intuitively and i think most people were as much as people might critique the oh i got lost or it doesn't make sense or whatever and i think that's for me always been the appeal of nolan is that he feels like he's one of the last artists working in cinema who truly believes in the medium as a mass market phenomenon as something that everybody goes and sees my parents uh, my contemporaries my younger sister all those people go to a cinema sit in a dark room together and they experience the same movie and have a completely different reaction to it and in a culture where everything is getting more homogenized and generic more formulaic more four quadrant I, I just love that. I, I would never not love the guy who is doing that. And it just turns out the guy who is doing that is Nolan, you know? <laughs> like, uh, just think of any small thing that you that you find somewhat endearing. And to me, it is things like uh, I would find in, on, on Wikipedia, as I said before, just amnesia. Or that's why I say Tenet's my favorite one, even though I, following Tenet, yeah. Stick them right there, and that's the one that people hated the most. Where I went, you have any idea? It's as if somebody heard my dream of like, God, oh, I really wish there were better movies for this than like the Harry Potter bit in um, 
what was it? Uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. Prisoner of Azkaban. Prisoner of Azkaban. And then Primer and, and, and all these, uh, like, that is the best visual representation. Even I was going, all right, this is neat. But then the last, like, 10, 20 minutes where the deal's full-blown, I'm like, oh, my God. It is someone with too much money trying to, uh, uh, like, as you make these very accessible, very um, visually crazy films. And uh, sometimes he steps on his own toes. Like, yes, the music was horrible. Why? Because it went with the theme of it can be listened to the same backwards and forwards. I'm like, yeah, but it makes this horrible droning sound the entire <laughs> way through. You know, but it, it's the guy that just goes, it's the, it's the theme. It's how I want them to feel. It's tenant because it's the same backwards and forwards. And it's not like, oh, he's pretentious. <laughs> he's a prick. Like, no, he just says, this is what I want. And I'm going to dive into it as much as I can. In the end, yes. maybe it just comes off as superficial or, I don't know, too tryhard. Yeah, it's interesting because apart from Insomnia and the Batman movies, I feel like all of his movies, the first time I watched them, I was like, I got to the credits and I was like, I probably need to see that again in order to fully grasp like the, the machinations of what was going on. Like, I definitely like, you know, Memento, once you know what's going on, you, you view it differently. The Prestige, once you know. The yeah. prestige you view Both it differently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, Inception, obviously. Um, Interstellar, like you, 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 it's once you get trapped in a fifth dimensional bookcase and start screaming for Murph, <laughs> Murph, <laughs> Murph. <laughs> Don't walk away. That that stuff. That movie is incredible because, like, I think that scene is silly, and I make fun of it. And I watched it last night, and I got choked up. Yeah. So like, I was simultaneously being like, this is so silly, but I was like, this is beautiful. Love uh, is the answer. This is cheesy and this is beautiful and I love this. Uh, and then he steals a spaceship at the end and I'm like, why? What? Yeah, just pick, a, pick a random, <laughs> pick a random, random like sciencey term and make it into a love story. There you go. Yeah. 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 Dunkirk, I still, I'm going to be honest, I still, I, I, Dunkirk can be rewatching tonight. I don't entirely understand what's going on in that movie. Like maybe someone could edit. The chron- the chronological dun- give me the chronological Dunkirk cut. Well, that, that's the thing about that though is that you don't need to understand that. Like I guarantee yeah. you, at least half, if not two thirds, of the people who saw Dunkirk had no idea that it was three separate timelines being cut yeah. against one another. They all assumed that it was roughly in real time, even though several scenes take place at night somehow. Yeah, um, like. People, I think, like, you were able to go into it and you are able to have the emotional experience of, okay, well, it's a story about a bunch of people on a beach, a bunch of people on a boat, and a bunch of people in a plane, or a yep. bunch of people in several planes, and you're able to follow it. Um, I do think that, like, Nolan does deserve some credit for, like, managing to make a movie accessible to people who don't want to think about it too much, but also constructing a movie that is incredibly satisfying to think about after the fact. Like, I think about Dunkirk where, like, that central device where people are like oh, why does he have a non-linear gimmick that's just a, a nolan thing he's doing a yeah. nolan thing for the sake of doing a nolan thing and like i'm watching it i'm going no i kind of see what he's getting at here which is nolan's big idea is that like people are fundamentally alien to one another we will never fully understand one another we will never share another person's point of view we will never be able to put ourselves in their shoes except through the subjective medium of film and the idea is that the three prongs of that story the kids on the beach the guys on the boat and the people in the plane. Mm-hmm. They are three different experiences of that one day and they experience it in three very, very different ways. And they only intersect 
those people only have the same experience for one brief moment at the climax when everybody is moving in rhythm, when the editing is happening in real time, when the moment is the same for the plane as it is for the boat, as it is for the guys in the water. That's the moment when like there is that spiritual communion between people, a shared experience. And then afterwards, it immediately unfurls. Afterwards, mm. if you notice the timeline stuff, you notice, for example, you spend only a couple of hours with Fionn Whitehead. You spend another day with Mark Rylance and you spend, um, you know, another couple of hours with um, Tom Hardy. And the idea is that, yeah, th th these people had this moment that they shared that was theirs, that was an experience that where everything overlapped and they were all working towards a common purpose. But in the end, they inevitably untangled and they went back to their separate experiences of reality that are fundamentally yeah. different. These three stories became one story, but then they don't stay one story. That moment is a fluke. It's a chance. You would you love it again. Like it's the kind of thing where it's like you you have to think pretty hard to get there and when you do. It's rewarding. But if you don't, it doesn't matter. It's still a cool war movie. You know, yeah. it's yeah. the only um, Nolan film I haven't seen yet because I'm scared of his sound mixing. Because he even said it's meant to be unintelligible. Like you, you're in war. It's hard to hear each other. I mean, it's probably also that is probably the fewest words spoken in any yeah. of these movies, right? Didn't you yeah, say he so. does it out of spite there? And it's like, oh, you're I'm too like, much okay, exposition. Well, All right, fine. Spite is, spite is maybe an exaggeration, but it, it does feel like Nolan's stuff is all kind of reacting against it. So he, like, he says he doesn't read reviews. No artist doesn't read reviews. You can't resist it. So it feels like every movie, particularly after The Dark Knight, where The Dark Knight is like his biggest hit and cements him as a generation defining filmmaker. It feels like every movie after that is a response to some criticism. of him. So, you know, people are like, man, Nolan really needs to get over this whole dead wife shtick. And you get to Inception and Inception is about an artist who really needs to get over the dead wife shtick. Um, you have something like say, oh, man, Nolan is so cold. His movies have no heart. It's like the dude doesn't believe in love as a force of nature and he's like love well have a love is more powerful than gravity and they're like okay <laughs> fine but nolan's movies are still too heavy on exposition he still spends too much time explaining stuff there's still scenes where they draw on a blackboard and they put a hole through a sheet i get it man i can follow along it's like okay fine war movie no exposition no dialogue no characters see how you like that there is something i think that is very interesting in like pushing himself as a filmmaker where he's not resting on his laurels he's not just doing the same thing over and over again he's like what do people think that may, not even what do, maybe it's what do i think i do badly or what do i think as a crutch i lean on and how do i deal with that i kind of like just trying to reverse engineer it where like tenet is like People loved Inception, but they're like, there's too much exposition in Inception, even though it's a great blockbuster. What if I made a movie that instead of explaining what was happening, just did it? Um, yeah. yeah. Show, don't tell. <laughs> yeah. What if, yeah. The tenet is show, don't tell the blockbuster. Yeah, um, I'll give yeah. you something to complain about. <laughs> yeah. He also, he gets, he, he casts really interesting and good performers and he gets a lot he gets a lot out of them and it's uh you know you can go back to you can go back to guy pierce and and carrie ann moss and and joe penliano oh, and uh and, and yeah you can you can go to uh i mean obviously keith ledger as a as a revelation in in the dark knight which if you guys remember that was that was early internet yeah. but uh man if that casting and things i hate now, about you yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why anytime people freak out at casting, I'm like, shut the fuck up. You all said this about Heath Ledger, and now you all you know, grovel at the feet of that performance. <laughs> they say that about they said that about Bruce Willis going into Die Hard. They all yeah, uh, yeah. say that about the actors. 
even Insomnia, which is like by definition a lesser Nolan movie, it's a movie that he didn't write. Oh, well, he did. Yeah. He rewrote it, but didn't jump credit on it. Hillary Seitz yeah. still has the credit on it. It's very clearly a screenplay that he rewrote from scratch, uh, but it's not his idea. It's not his project. But that is like, I would argue, Al Pacino's last great performance before The Irishman. He like, looks there so is... tired. He's plays, <laughs> he plays a dude who hasn't slept for several days very well. Yeah. Um, and like even like Robin Williams, I know yeah. he did like one hour photo around the same time. But like that is a movie that you go back and you rewatch and you're like, this is maybe the weakest film in his filmography. And it it rocks. I would love yeah. 10 of these a year. If Hollywood yeah. made even five of these a year, I would be happy. And I love yeah. how they they withhold. Uh, that was one of my favorite things. Rewatching Insomnia the other over the weekend, how they withhold Robin Williams for so long. Yeah. And then you finally get that scene where like they meet on the ferry. And they talk. I'm like, oh, this is such a good scene. This is such yeah. a good scene. Um, yeah, obviously. And again, it has it has that dynamic that Nolan uses really well, which is like one of them is a serious actor and one of them is a movie star who wants to be taken seriously. Yeah. So you have like Robin Williams being like, and I brought a tape recorder. Yeah. And Al Pacino's like, I am so fucking tired. <laughs> <laughs> I have the most tired anyone has ever been. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and then then catching people at the right time, and you know, working with Leo and working with with McConaughey, uh, just great, great stuff, top to bottom. I'm curious, um, where does Oppenheimer fit into this? Don't obviously no spoilers. You saw yeah. it. I don't even is like the review embargo up. I cannot review it. I can offer some social commentary. Okay. I can offer social sentiment is what I've been told. Yeah, because I'm interested. Like, I'm assuming it is easier to it is it is not going to be one of the confusing movies right or am i wrong the opening half hour i was like this asks a lot for a summer audience um where it, it jumps <laughs> like it it's very similar it reminds me a lot of the prestige in terms of structure is the thing about it where mm -hmm. like inception nolan is doing his five levels of story and it makes it very obvious it's like you go one level into a dream two levels into a dream three ah, levels into a dream um the thing about like it reminds me more of the prestige where the prestige is it's doing this thing and you kind of forget it's doing it because it's sleight of hand is so good where it's borden is in prison reading angier's diary and in angier's diary angier is reading borden's diary so the movie just keeps like snaking through these three levels of flashbacks oppenheimer kind of does something similar where there are two separate framing devices um and i think i think we'll talk about it next week we'll talk about it in more depth i think it's brilliant i think it's a legitimately brilliant choice i think nolan's using it very very well but i the first 15 minutes i was like this is asking a lot of people where it's like i want to see the bomb blow up and the movie's like no but first of all you need to understand that there were these two very important hearings that took place and we're going to be cutting against them and the incidents people are discussing in those hearings which may include the other hearing that is taking place and I'm like, Marge, yeah. when are we going to get to the bomb? <laughs> yeah. um, but while you're talking about the cast, just the thing about the cast, this is somebody else. I'm going to steal this from a colleague, somebody who saw it at the film. It's all the premiere with me. They're like, Nolan's casting in this movie is so absurdly like overpowered. Um, just in terms of like the cast includes like Rami Malek shows up and is in the background of two scenes. Matthew Modine shows up and is in two scenes. Gary Oldman appears on a radio and then in a Literally single scene. Literally didn't even scene. know he was in the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like it's so stacked. Benny Sadfi is in here, for example, as well. But it's like my colleague described it as imagine that scene from Wayne's World 2 where they're asking for directions. And the, the actor is bad and they go, can't we get someone better? And Charlton Heston comes in and he's on the screen for three minutes and he gives this powerhouse virtuoso performance. The person I saw the premiere with was like, 
Oppenheimer is like three hours of that. Okay. <laughs> it's it's like you're like this this actor has to be in more of the movie, right? It's like no, you you, you just you got the goods, you got what you need. Uh, move on. I'm sure. Yeah, Jason Tudor says just like the Thin Red Line. That's what when you were saying that yeah. it was that reminds me of like uh, what what Malik did with Thin Red Line. Sure, yeah, easy but the thing with Malik was that Malik was looking for a movie, though. Like Malik, uh, like he didn't go in expecting oh, to yeah. George Clooney out. Like George Clooney was like, "I'm a major part of this movie because I filmed for weeks on it." And like, There's goes, no way you can cut, cut around <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah. <clears throat> and then Malik is like, "Wait and see, baby. Wait yeah. and see." Sorry, sorry, Seb. I was, I was wondering. It's like you said, he was a very efficient director. I wonder if that's what makes it easier to get all of this talent where they're like yeah nolan sure it'll just be like a week of filming yeah <laughs> like just get in oh, yeah. get out and i'm done with it well i guess i think it's a good sign that you see so many repeat actors i think that is ultimately a sign of you you have faith in that director and you want to return uh, uh you know you see cillian murphy come back you see matt damon come Gillian, back Gillian, uh, murphy, Gillian. Gillian, Gillian, sorry sorry sorry. <laughs> sorry i didn't say he was british i didn't say he was british why do you hate <laughs> europe you're, you're on an I, orange line you're, you're you're on an orange line marty <laughs> be ignorant, but i'm not cruel <laughs> <laughs> um yeah you see you see you know uh, folks wanting to to work with him time and time again Anne hathaway in, in interstellar um and so I, I that always to me is a thing where i'm like okay that means Means you're doing something right if all these people want to work with you yeah and i mean they seem to enjoy it and like again killian murphy has always said like the, i feel really good for him because it's like i was like I, I told him i would show up for anything he ever asked me to do and like if you look at say the nolan batman movies where murphy is in like one scene of the dark knight and like a scene and a half of the dark knight rises yeah there's a definite vibe of look the part's not big you'll be on set for like half a day at most I think like the the thing with the scientists um, is that like because the science this is a room full of like hugely famous actors. You have like Kenneth Branagh is hanging around. You have feckin Josh Hartnett is hanging around. Matt Damon is hanging around. And they're like, there's no way we are going to be on this set for like four days shooting this one scene. And apparently it turns out, no, we were done by lunch. Like that is how like clean and efficient he is. And again, he gets good performances. It's not like he's Clint Eastwood going, we'll do it once and cut. Like I, I need to get to the golf course. Yeah, I need to get to the golf course by five. Um, yeah. It's like he he does. He seems to get really good performances from actors who seem very happy with the experience and are just glad to be there. Oh, yeah. Sorry. The, I love the comments are like Josh Hartnett's in this. I'm like, yes, yeah. Josh Hartnett is in this. Um, do uh, David Crumholtz is in this. Uh, oh, my God. I love David Crumholtz. Uh, yeah. it, is it? <clears throat> I've seen a lot of a hullabaloo about. Um, finally, this is. Remember how good of an actor Robert Tony Jr. was before he got sucked into the Marvel machine? Um, is does this really feel like a like? Oh man, yeah. This is this is this was Chaplin. Yeah. That was that was the bit. That was the thing. Like the, when, <laughs> when when the credits when the credits went down. Like my my the person I was with was like wiping tears from their eyes, and was also then like, oh by the way, it's like three hours of that scene from Wayne's World. And my thing was, I I forgot Downey Jr. could do that. It's an yeah. actual performance. It's like he said, this is the best movie he's ever been in. I think he's a movie star selling a movie. I don't know if he actually believes that. I don't know if I believe that. I would have a hard time arguing this is better than Zodiac, which is like canonically one of the greatest American really movies good. ever made. Yeah. Yeah, it's was really it? good. Oh, I like Oppenheimer a lot, but I'm not sure it's better than Zodiac. Uh, That's the poster quote. That was, uh, that was dry. But, <laughs> really? You didn't, you didn't, you didn't like, like Zodiac? I loved, I loved Zodiac. Same thing. All, all like the, the, um, what was it? Yeah, I was always obsessed with all that kind of media and anything I could get and reading it. So, like, yeah. Robert Downey Jr., Jake Gyllenhaal, I'm totally going to love this thing. And yeah. I was just like, <laughs> oh, no. It was dry. It was very dry. Wow. 
I would, um, I would, I would definitely put Chaplin <laughs> over. Okay, I was like, this sounds okay. like something Zodiac Killer would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> try to throw us off the scent there. Yeah. Um, okay, so okay, all right, then let's. I take back Zodiac and let's put in Tropic Thunder then. Ooh, like watching Tropic Thunder. The there we go. I'm being like, remember? Yeah, that's it. Remember when he could act and give a performance? Because it is, it's a stunning performance. I was like jaw on the floor at various points and i know that sounds really condescending and i know it sounds really mean where i'm like look at this cast that includes like emily blunt killian murphy matt damon and like i expect all of those people to be phenomenal and like they're everyone every member of that cast gets at least one moment like there's a moment where casey affleck shows up for two scenes that are cross-cut with one another and you hear his voice and you're just like yeah this is this is perfect there are no notes. You have just you have done a great job with this casting. He is doing the Casey Affleck thing and the scene is perfect. But with Downey, it's like you're watching it and you're like, no, I forgot that Downey could be this compelling on screen. And obviously, like the MCU owes a lot to him. He is a genuine movie star. Tony Stark is a phenomenal performance. And I don't mean to denigrate that in any way, shape or form, but it's a performance that largely relies on charisma and charm and he has got a lot of that and it's a mode in which he works and he's very good at and i think that's great i do think it's not the only mode he works at and i think what was striking about this was just seeing him this is not a role with any charisma is probably the best way to describe it. he's playing a character with like negative charisma where he's being put on screen with killian murphy and you're meant to go Killian Murphy's the movie star here, right? Killian Murphy's the guy who they built a 15-year, multi-billion-dollar franchise around by comparison, right? Um, and again, it's 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 the same energy uh, that you have with like the Prestige and with Insomnia, where you have an actor who is a character actor or a stage actor, a respected actor who is like Al Pacino, who is Christian Bale, who is Killian Murphy, and you cast opposite them. A movie star who has maybe never gotten the respect they deserve as an actor. So it's obviously it's Robin Williams, Hugh Jackman Jackman, and Robert Downey Jr. And you just get this incredible frisson because underpinning the relationship between them is a sense of. I am infinitely more bankable than you are. More people know who I am than know who you are. Why the fuck is this your movie? Like, why am I coming here and feeling at a disadvantage like I'm on your territory? And it's such a great energy and it works so well here. Why did that not work in the Batman <laughs> Forever? Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey. What happened there? Well, because they're not meant to be enemies with each other. Like, the, like they're not meant to they're not meant to have a, like a competitive atmosphere oh, against right, each other. Right, yeah, OK, I was like, <laughs> like this big tenured star and then the rising yeah. movie starts. Like, oh, yeah. that's right. But they were on the yeah. same team together. Maybe if he'd <laughs> yeah. let them fight. Yeah. Godzilla <laughs> style. Tommy Lee Jones is Batman. That was the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, where does, uh, by the way, like George Lucas uh, pointed out another example there, like the assassination of Jesse James by the carrot Robert oh, Ford, yeah. where you have Brad Pitt, possibly the most charismatic yeah. movie star in the world, and Casey Affleck. But that's inverting the dynamic where the character actor is like, why don't I get to be a movie star? Yeah. But you have the same kind of like dynamic at play there. Um, uh, where, um, obviously, you've only seen it once, right? Or did you see twice. it second time? Okay. Um, obviously, it's very early. I think ranking things this close is dumb. Yes. But we'll do it anyways. <laughs> but we'll do it anyways! Uh, where do you... Uh, we are not prepared for this, Marty. We are not no. prepared. This is reckless. This is reckless. This is reckless speculation. That's a new, uh, that's a new segment. Um, where... Rough, rough shot. Where does, where does Oppenheimer fit 
in the filmography? Is it in the middle? Is it in the top? Yeah, top this couple, is the, bottom couple, this, middle couple. This is the thing where I'm I'm a Nolan I'm a huge Nolan fan, so I think he's made twelve movies, and I think five sorry ten of those are five star movies, and two of them are four star movies. Whoa. This is. I cannot grade this. Oh, okay. I love that Frost is wincing at that. No, yeah. that, that was like a like a one of those. Well, I'm so high, bro. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I know. Stars. I know. Good. It's full of stars. Yeah. I'm I'm curious about the two four star ones. Uh, they're following an insomnia. That is fair. Yeah, they're okay. Um, like following is like so fascinating because it's a perfect Nolan movie, but it's also so like half formed. Yeah, it's, 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 young, it's what, very young Nolan. Yeah, movie. that's exactly. It's like it is. It looks like a Nolan movie. It is like a Nolan movie out of the gate, but it's like it's like watching a kid like straighten up on a bike for the first time. You're like, he's doing it very quickly, but also that's not how you ride a bike. Sorry, you Marty. know what? You know this what loses exactly insomnia one entire star is the moment the one guy at the bar goes, who's got two thumbs and likes blowjobs? This guy. And then he looks at Hillary Swing and like, sorry about that. I'm like, what was that in this movie? That didn't need to be here. <laughs> what if we didn't film this? <laughs> one second shot and we just moved on. Hey, hey, isn't that the guy who ends up being the, the dude in the car, in the van, in the dark night? He's like, you got some moves, Gordon. It is. Yeah. <laughs> See, one love, of the love working with Smacker. Yeah. One of the underrated Nolan guys, where Nolan's yeah. like, "Look, that that wasn't in the script. That was an ad lib." But damn it, you've got charisma. He's my wild card. Um, <laughs> that was also an extremely 2002 <laughs> joke. Like yes. that was like a very 2002 joke. So yeah. Um, um, but this would be at the moment it is sitting sixth on the list. Um, now I cannot okay. tell you what score it has, but sure. I've told you that ten of them have five stars, and if it's sixth, you can figure out where that is yourselves. Bargo Busters. <laughs> Three star. Um, yeah, the key is the audience has to do the work. Um, yeah. uh, do, do we want to go through your rank? Sort of oh, well, to, to tie a bow on. Um, what do you want to go through Nolan? everybody's rank then? So do we want to oh, do like a quick circle round? So start with Frost and start from the bottom up or? Already. We want to start at the bottom? I th- that adds suspense, right? Get that some tension going. Suspense. Get some drums, dun, dun, dun. yeah? All right. All right. Okay, fine. I'll go first. I'll throw out following. Okay, go first. Following. I would, I would put following at the bottom as well. Again, not a bad movie, but just... Um, I think it's more interesting and important than a good rewatchable movie. I think it's yeah. the least rewatchable of his movies. Yes. Am, am I... Uh, Am I allowed to put Dunkirk? I haven't seen it yet. That's the key. one oh, I hold by out default. On. By default. Yeah, by default. Yeah. 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 If not, I would actually put Interstellar, and that's more so like even <laughs> even the best, even my favorite director making a sci-fi film does not interest me. It's like that's just how how much I fight against the genre. I suppose I would put Interstellar at my least favorite. I mean, have you have you seen it though? Have you seen Interstellar? Interstellar. Oh yeah, I, I watched it. Oh, okay, all right. Two days ago, twice. All right. Because my my Twi- girlfriend okay. was like, oh, I love space and I love sad dads. Like Armageddon. Uh, yeah. that, that, that is the perfect Venn diagram right oh, there. Space, <laughs> space and sad dads are. are, are I've got are right the film there. for you then. <laughs> um, what do you What do you got? Yeah, I have, I have following as well. What do you What do you have after that, Darren? Um, so we'll go with Insomnia just by default, yep. which I think is a great movie. I would love to see like more of these made every year, but it's it's not a Nolan movie, and it feels very much like it's a Mangold movie. It's like Nolan making a James Mangold movie, which is like I like this movie a lot. It will not be on my list of greatest movies ever made. Yeah. Also, the two thumbs blowjob line. <laughs> that's, that's the that's the line for you. Sometimes that's to catch a, a, a wider yeah. audience. Yeah. yeah, that's a whole star. Um, yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, I'd put Insomnia there as well. 
And then now we're into the five stars. So Batman Begins is yeah. at the bottom of my five stars. That was okay. that was going to be mine, too. I, I think a uh, great important i think the only thing it suffers from is uh, my own personal biases of uh origin story fatigue yeah and that first half of that first i mean that entire movie is an origin story but um i don't know i don't need to see someone climb a mountain and do push-ups i I, you (laughs) almost think i think i'd put dark knight rises there and then batman begins for my next one i think that's the more the normal opinion yeah i think i think you have a normal opinion you are the man of the people i'm tron (laughs) yeah um but yeah like i mean that is that is the other one i think dark knight rises is then eighth um and the reason that i put like dark knight rises ahead of batman begins i think they're both great movies is that like dark knight rises is this weird maximalist spectacle of a summer movie Mm -hmm. it is possibly the most movie that has ever been made where it's the one movie where nolan doesn't have like a driving like principle it's not like he sat down to write it and he had like a clear ordering idea of what he was doing it's like no warner brothers have been good to me they would like a third batman movie also all my actors would like a paycheck for a third batman movie we put the work in why not and here's a bunch of stuff i've been thinking about here's a bunch of stuff i care about it's the only chance that i will be given free reign to like fly a bat plane on a crane through wall street um so i'm gonna take that opportunity and i kind of i love it that's what i love about it more summer movies should be that big that book wild that ambitious and that kind of swing for the fences and i honestly think anne hathaway is legitimately brilliant and i think obviously hardy's bane is rightfully iconic uh, but i think hathaway's catwoman is why does he wear the mask (laughs) it is extremely that's a great question little finger why does he wear the mask There's no money here for you to steal. Why are you here? <laughs> lovely, lovely voice. <laughs> uh, so that it goes Batman Begins, then Dark Knight Rises for you? For me, it's, it's yeah. So Batman Begins is a 10. This is at nine. Um, okay. My, my nine was uh, Memento. Again, I've done Ooh, all of these movies from now on. I uh, enjoy. I feel like that is the movie that... Uh, popped the most on a first viewing and lost some of its luster Ooh. in rewatchability, um, which uh, is funny because some of his other, I don't want to say his movies are puzzle box movies, but yeah. some of his other movies where you glean something a second time, I feel like I, I get more from on repeat viewings than, um, than Memento. Yeah. But it's got Joey um, Pants and I love Joey Pants. So. Yeah. And Carrie Ann Moss, which was one of the great tragedies. Great. Like, if it, like yeah. it's like she was on such a roll coming off the Matrix, and then just had the Matrix, yeah. yeah, and Joey Pants. Oh my God, a little <laughs> Matrix reunion. I I know. Like, can you imagine that movie? I love Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce is fantastic. Yeah. And can you imagine Keanu Reeves oh, in that God. role? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he seems like he's always forgetting what happened an hour ago. Whoa. Yeah, it's like whoa. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> where all these tattoos come from? <laughs> yeah. uh, what uh, what about you, Frost? Say it's slot in memento right around mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Yeah. I guess yeah. Now that my, my top ones are fighting. I, I think I'd, yeah. I'd still put memento. <laughs> yeah. We have 12 wolves wrestling inside. <laughs> of you now. Oh, too many wolves. <laughs> Um, uh mine after that is the dark knight rises like you said yeah. um a good movie i think uh, a movie that gets a gets a bad rap because i think it swing it swings for the fences and i appreciate a movie that swings for the fences it tries to do so much uh i personally wish the movie would have ended a couple just a little bit earlier i think uh michael kane seeing the two of them on the on the um patio i think would be like a beautiful 
a beautiful little ending instead of the Dark Knight actually rising. Literally rising? Yeah. You, don't, you yeah. don't like Linian literalism? Um, yeah, and the Robin thing is a little, okay, <laughs> I guess. Like, I'm like, that's the right about a fan service. After like more than a decade of like watching fan service rendered so faithfully and so committedly, I'm just like, you get the word. The word yeah. is said in the movie. That yeah. is enough. Be happy and be thankful for it. I did. Um, I like the 90 minute mark of Interstellar. They say Interstellar and I'm like, yes, <laughs> you did it. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> yeah. I guarantee yeah. they say Oppenheimer and Oppenheimer as well. What's his name? I hope so. They tend to lean more towards Oppie, to be fair. Um, <laughs> come on, Oppie. Let's go party. Uh, uh, it wasn't. It was a choice to set the recruitment montage to a version of Barbie Girl that was just sure. Oppie. Um, in terms of, so we're on eight, I think. So eight yes. for me is Inception, controversially. I think that, that'll be higher for other people. Um, I like it a lot. I think it's a very well-made film. I also think it is maybe Nolan's most deeply cynical film in that it's the movie where Nolan's like, you know that thing I do where I make things that get inside people's brains and warp the way that they think and are all about like dad stuff. Is that ethical? Is that yeah, like, like, like the, the, if you get it to the heart, like Inception is about making movies. Cobb is obviously the director. Uh, obviously, like Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the producer. Ariadne is the writer. Mm-hmm. Tom Hardy is the actor. All, Sato is the producer who's yeah. going to set, even though he has no business being there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have this idea that like at the heart of it is that they're really messing up Killian Murphy's character. They're like, there's a moment where Adney goes, you're going to destroy the one healthy relationship that he has in order to convince him to give you his money. And like, Leo's like, yeah, that, that you got it. Good, 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 good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I think Inception is a fantastic film. I think it's very thoughtful. It's it's like a film he made after he became a blockbuster filmmaker. But it's incredibly cynical because it's like, who cares? He feels good at the end. That's all that matters. Yeah, he feels good, thing. and we got his money. Yeah. Yeah. What's the what's what's happening with the with the top at the end? Does it matter? I don't think it matters. I think the, the the central point is that it doesn't matter that Cobb doesn't care anymore. That there is no difference between dream and reality. That's my take on the ending. Is that like it? He's with his kids, and it doesn't matter whether they're real or not. And again, that's the deeply cynical. Until fucking thing. Freddy comes for you, then there's a difference. Between <laughs> yeah, then, then you're gonna regret it, don't you? <laughs> Fuck um, Mary, the Inception, Freddy. <laughs> yeah. There's a question: Is is it Marion Cotillard? Because that's that's something that raises some questions in my mind. <laughs> She is very pointy, but on the other hand, she is Marion yeah. Cotillard. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, but what about uh, yourself? Then tier eights, then I guess, or if you already uh, jumped, in. my eight would be uh, Tenet with an asterisk because I've literally only seen it once, and I'm going to be rewatching it probably tomorrow or Thursday. So right. I'll I'll see where it sort of rises or falls there. I, I really enjoyed it the first time. Uh, uh, never got to see it in theaters. Only one of his movies I saw. Me- oh, I guess aside from following that, I haven't seen in theaters because obviously, yeah, um, the, the middle of a pandemic COVID. for you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, only watched it when it when it came to VOD. But um, yeah, excited to. That's the one I'm most excited to obviously give a rewatch because it's the one that my opinion will probably sway one way or another. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I will absolutely turn subtitles on, Old Hunter. Don't you worry about that. I turn <laughs> subtitles on all my movies, uh, especially the, the especially the ones that could be. Uh, kind of difficult to understand. I, I will say, having a 5.1 surround system with a proper bass speaker, my 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 neighbors knew that I was having a Nolan rewatch. It was great. Um, the kids <laughs> in the house next door with their pillows around their heads, shaking, going, "Why won't it stop? Why, Why won't someone it stop? kill Hans Zimmer?" <laughs> the, the Mooney household is shaking. 
<laughs> there was an incident. There was an incident once where I was testing the subwoofer and there were knocks at the door, but I couldn't hear them over the subwoofer. So it was grand. Yeah, um, I am a terrible neighbor. I did get like bottles of wine and chocolates the following day for the make it clear that I am not a oh, terrible neighbor. <laughs> Shit, I'll, then... I'll put up with some noise if I get chocolates and wine. That sounds great. Um, and then about... so I guess. Sorry. Oh, what about you, Frost? Uh, put you? Me, I think right around here I'd put Prestige because Prestige was Ooh. lovely the first time. I, I It was almost the one that I, I had the fastest, I gotta watch that again, right? Mm-hmm. But then the third, like, it diminishes. I, I feel like the rewatches right. are three, four, five, not, not, not the same way as the other ones because I think the strength of it is the spectacle, but the strength, uh, the strength of a lot of Nolan films are the spectacle, but the prestige is how intimate and how good the story is. Yeah. And so after the second into the third, each one sort of is diminished a bit more, but still being in the top, yeah. you know, so yeah. top half or whatever. Again, these are all yeah. like I'm choosing my favorite pizza at this. Point. Yeah, that's it exactly. It's yeah, like yeah. yeah. Uh, and then- ask me which one I think are the best, like. I put prestige <laughs> at number, top three, but as far as my favorite go, like Favorites, it, it yeah. ends up here. Yeah, uh, the difference between the two. Yeah, and then so seven for me is Interstellar, uh, which is a a movie that I love that moves me deeply, breaks my sweet little heart. I'm a robot that generates movie opinions. So I mean, you know, so that I'm very susceptible to Nolan emotion because that mm-hmm. Nolan emotion comes from a place of how incredibly repressed are these characters, where it's like. They're just people who want to do their jobs often badly because they want to get back to their families. And I'm like, I get it. I feel it. Um, I also think it's just virtuoso filmmaking, spectacle and scale. And with all due respect to Oppenheimer, the best sex scene in a Nolan movie, that docking sequence is just incredible. Um, (laughs) Wait, wait, which one? The one where Matt Damon fails? (laughs) Yeah, the bit where Matt Damon fails. Everything's yeah. fine. Yeah. People, people are going to remember you. We're doing this for man. But no, it's a bit afterwards where, like, we're like, where you're watching Matthew McConaughey, sexiest man alive, covered in sweat as he's just straining, and you're kind of cutting against the rotating phallic shape of the conduit as it's trying to connect with the moving spinning station overhead as Hans Zimmer's cathedral score is playing in the background. It is. One of the best sequences in Nolan's filmography, really, I would it's, argue. It's yeah. really, it's really good. Uh, yeah, that's where that's that was my next one. Well. Almost jumped uh, yeah. by Oppenheimer's smash cut mid climax. Yes, <laughs> I don't want to hear Wait. anything about no, the yeah, Oppenheimer's no, sex yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm very excited for it. I'm, I'm more curious than anything else. Of like, okay, I someone, see someone I know who saw the movie said it is the most Christopher Nolan sex scene, and I'm like, yes, I don't even know oh, what that means. Count me in. It's there, will, there will be there will be articles written about it. Um, it's I'm watching it. I'm like, yeah, it's this is kind of exactly what I expected, but still not what I expected somehow. Um, I'm just uh, assuming it's going to be like a cheesy '90s sex scene, and they're both going to be sitting up, and then it's going to be superimposed <laughs> over the bomb exploding. It's I'm just picturing that. Lots it of sounds, crossfades, yeah. lots of blowing awesome. curtains. Uh, blow, yeah. By the way, the fact I'm saying this tells you it's not this, but yes, lots of blowing curtains. I am like some, death. So Tony Scott style, kind of like orange and blue sky in the background. Sounds great. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's Pearl um, Harbor and, all over again. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, sorry, what about yourself, Frost? 
Where am I at? Where are we at? I've lost track because I'm bad at counting. Uh, I think we're at your top four. By the way, I've been counting. I've, I've been counting twelve movies because I've seen one more than, than you. Because, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it's my virtue. But I, don't, yeah. oh, that, that, I realized that. I realized that was a very stupid choice. I, I, I had prestige here. Uh, oh, Inception, easy. Okay. If, uh, yes. I think I I love the casting on that one. I think that was my favorite yeah. casting out of all of them, simply because yeah. that's when people finally were catching on to Tom Hardy. Like, he's just a yes. charming man, isn't he? Yeah. I also love I love me some Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I like that he gets a little love in there. And the two of them as bros. Like, the, yeah. they must be afraid to dream a little bigger, little darling. Little your, bigger. Con- yeah. your condescension as ever, Arthur, is greatly appreciated. Yeah. Um, the montage of, like, where they're testing the sleeping potion and Tom Hardy is just knocking Joseph Gordon-Levitt over. It's great. Again, people say Nolan's a cold, emotionless filmmaker. I'm like, that is possibly the broiest film I have seen. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, I'm also I'm a sucker for a heist movie. I'm a sucker for we're putting the team together. Like I fucking love the Ocean's Eleven trilogy. Like I'm, I'm a sucker for that stuff. And this this movie nails it. Yeah, uh, that that would be my next one as well. Brain heist. Inception. So that's my fourth, I guess, for my <laughs> ranking. All right. And then so six is Oppenheimer, which we'll talk about next week. Five is Tenet, baby. Yeah, I'm going hardcore on this one. I mean, I'm um, excited. I'm excited to see if my my opinion sways one way or another um, after the rewatch. Keep- Keep in mind, Tenet is the only Nolan movie that has released since I've been on Letterboxd. I joined Letterboxd in 2018. Mm. I've apparently watched Tenet 10 times in the yes. three years that it has been released. Yes, it's called Ten. Tenet. Yes. You, so you, yeah, you can't watch it anymore. No, no. no the next time I watch it, it, I'll watch it nine times. It'll start going down. It's ah. like, and then I hit oh, zero no. and I crack over. Oh, okay. yeah. And you're like, what is this movie about? <laughs> yeah. I keep forgetting. I've reached peak yeah. understanding of Tenet. Yeah. And then every rewatch afterwards will erase until I reach 10 again. And then I start building up again. Um, yeah, it's it's just, it's fantastic. Again, it's one of those movies where more blockbusters should be like this. It's completely insane. It's big. It's ambitious. It's built around spectacle. It's him doing his big James Bond movie there is a sequence where like Elizabeth Debicki is in the back seat of a car and uses her legs to reach into the front and unlock the doors and I'm like that is a flex that's like having Killian Murphy just take off his glasses and Batman begins that is filmmaking right there that is cinema that is like Dwayne Johnson flexing out of a cast in a Fast and Furious movie you're playing to the strengths of the actors you have and I do I think it's I find it a really interesting thoughtful movie about like concepts like faith capitalism um and the idea that the rich exist in a world where the laws of man and the laws of physics no longer apply to them and how terrifying that is and kenneth Branagh gets to have a funny accent which is another overlap that it shares with oppenheimer and i'm like look i'm happy for him um i i I quite like that he gets the john void s did you fuck my wife scene from mission impossible um but yeah um, uh, but yeah, speaking I, of uh, sorry, speaking of Bond, uh, Lampy with a five pound dono earlier said, "I like to imagine Barbara Broccoli is updating her daily spreadsheet of Nolan statistics and plotting his success to see where he's going to fall." The graph on the curve. Is, yeah. yeah, we'll see. Maybe Oppenheimer bombs. And he's like, "This is it. This is our time. time yeah. Get him in there." <laughs> bomb to uh, bomb. I didn't mean Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer bombs. That's that. That was poor taste. I'm, sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. I should leave. Um, my, uh, my, my next one here would be, uh, like I said, Inception. So I don't know if I got out of order. I only have three left after Inception. Yeah, me so too, because Darren's seen right. one more than us. Yeah. Yeah. So wait, hold on. Yeah. So I have four more to go. You have four to more go. to go. So, we have three. Okay. And my fourth is Dunkirk. Okay. Okay. Because I think that's just a beautiful piece of film. And every time I've watched it, I've gone back to it and been like, this is somehow better than I remember it. 
and it's short as well and it's incredibly yeah. concise and it's filmmaking i think it's maybe nolan's cleanest film just in terms of craft mm -hmm. uh it's just incredibly well put together um and yeah i think it, it's it's really sweet it's really moving it is the closest i think anybody has ever come to making that francis truffaut like anti-war movie because it is a yeah. war movie where the heroes win by running away yeah, where like the yeah. heroes of this movie are the people who would be the villains of any other war movie they're the kids who are like wearing the uniforms of dead soldiers to get off the beach they're yeah. using like people on gurneys as props to try and get on the evacuation boats uh they're scared they're terrified they're running um and like killian murphy's character here who is like murders a kid um the movie is like you know what maybe he deserves some sympathy maybe after everything he's been through you can understand why he would have done what he did there um and i think that that's a remarkably humanist and empathic piece of work i think it's a one of the best war movies i have ever seen uh and it's a movie that kind of like has stayed with me and kind of like become more to me every time i've watched it so yeah i i loved it uh, just uh, to notice there, Jombly Wobbly says there, it ends with everyone getting behind the war. It might not be that anti-war. I would point out that Nolan goes out of his way to show you, A, the last three shots of the movie are, A, a burning wreckage of military industrial might. So it's it's the burning plane on a beach. Not exactly triumphant. B, it's Fionn Whitehead quoting uh, Churchill's famous fight him on the beaches uh, speech, which is, First of all, not given to Churchill, given to a scared little boy whose voice is wavering, but also goes into the bit that most people quoting that speech don't go into, which is the idea that like Churchill's writing this speech, believing that England will be invaded and will fall and will have to be dependent on both former colonies of the British Empire and the United States in order to survive, that the new world may rise in service of the old. It's a plea for help from an imperial power recognizing that its days are over. It's not a triumphant ending. And the final shot of the movie is Fionn Whitehead looking up from the paper, having read that speech, his lips quivering, his eyes shaking, realizing as an 18-year-old boy who we have just spent watching fighting to get off that beach, that he is going to be sent right back out there and he's going to be put in the line of fire again. And everything he has done means absolutely nothing. I would hesitate to describe that as a pro-war ending. This is so. just for the sake of time, because Marty does have to... Uh... Oh, sorry. It's, yes. a, it's a semi-hard out. Uh, semi -hard That's a, out. I'm not going to say semi-hard semi out. What I was getting at, uh, and again, this is almost like for a different podcast... I feel like of the directors, he is almost the most misunderstood, and that even shows in his own films, where it's just like, well, it seems pretty pro-war, whereas he's very anti-war. Same thing with, uh, like, the Batman. It's like, oh, it's all about fascism and, uh, you know, all the power going to one man. It's like, yeah, but it's more so like, Batman's not the good guy here type deal. And in yeah. that sense of, like, he's very cold to women. It's like, because the worst thing that could happen to him is losing his wife. He's that's, a wife guy. He is a very yeah, much a wife guy. He is guy. a wife guy. Yeah, no, and that, that's that's always uh, being a normie, getting into the like uh, film space, <laughs> and just going. I really like Nolan for the machinations of his films. Like, yeah, but all this and all that. It's like I don't know if we're watching the same film. Yeah, so. I mean, so much criticism is black and white, right? Black and white. You have, but to, it, you have it to be is. this or that, and you can't be. Yeah. You can't have any sort of complexity to you. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. It is. Uh, I feel like of. Of the directors, though, to go, I love Nolan is usually to like start some strange, controversial track, and I'm not sure where it comes from, really, because I feel like he's very straightforward. I think people like to, to hate on whatever the most popular thing in the moment is. That's not what John Lee was doing. John Lee, that was a 
in, yeah, in, no, no, you no, know no, that no, is a no, fair no. read on the movie i would say just like yeah, yeah. read sorry. is a fair read um yeah sorry sorry i didn't mean yeah to. yeah um but uh yeah i think i think it when when you're at the top of the mountain you're the one that everyone comes it's the same thing where everyone's like the last of us is a garbage game i'm like is it or do you just hate it because it's popular like what's 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 going on here so uh yeah and like darren said i think there's i i for one like i love populist entertainment i love <laughs> giant spectacles that look pretty that can slam a get get an entire room of people together to watch this one thing and enjoy themselves and laugh and cry and get scared and i think that's i think that's awesome yeah um sorry so yourself there um we're in, the, uh, we're in our top three we're in now. your three are you so we're we're in our top three uh mine's gonna be the dark knight um which 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 i i love and i i wonder it was probably higher before i got uh, uh afflicted with superhero fatigue so I almost feel bad putting it here because I feel like it is being unfairly uh, taken down a few pegs in my mind because of everything that happened afterwards. Um, but in rewatching it, I think it is a, a shockingly like a wildly entertaining movie with um, uh, with one of the, the most interesting and best and important performances of the century. Lovely. lovely. Uh, I've got in my top three, we're hitting Memento. I uh, absolutely Ooh, nice. like one of my favorite ones to rewatch just over and over again. And I find it funny compared to the, so the, the prestige. If you do a rewatch, you go, it was there all along. Whereas Memento is literally like, you know where this is going. First scene, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know what's going to yeah. happen. You literally you know what's going to happen. You still don't know what's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, you don't watch the movie from the start and go, man, I really hope Leonard catches the guy. I really hope he catches the dude and all works out for him. You're like, no, how is this going to go bad yeah, for yeah. Leonard? Yeah. That'd be my three. Uh, and then so my three very quickly is um, also Memento um, for the same reasons. Uh, I think it rewatches remarkably well. Um, I also think it's one of the great end of the 90s movies. And Nolan is often misunderstood as a like 21st century director. He is very much a late 90s director and end of history director. And this is a movie that is about the idea of how do you move forward if you have no sense of memory? How do you exist in a place where there is no time? If you cannot generate new memories, you cannot have a past. If you cannot have a past, how can you know, how can you have a future? Which, again, is all stuff that bubbles through the rest of his movies right down to like, you know, Tenet, for example, is a very literal manifestation of that idea. And Tenet famously came from that sequence where Leonard drops the gun, but he rewinds the scene. So he picks up the gun and Nolan's like, I should file that somewhere and like make yeah, a $250 million. I'll come back to this in 20 years. <laughs> Did yeah, so Tenet I, was like, they were working out for like 10 years or something. <laughs> Yeah, like again with Inception was a similar one that I've been stewing for a while. But sorry, Marty, we, we yeah. need to get out of here. So what about yourself? What do you what do you what's your uh, my two number two. my number two is Dunkirk. Uh uh yeah. agree. Even though I Dunkirk. literally said I still watch it, I'm still like not hundred percent the timeline is still confusing to me. Uh I think uh it is it is one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen on a big screen, and I saw it several times in theaters. Um, it was like right up there with There Will Be Blood and, and The Fountain in movies that I just like stared at, like slack jawed, being like, "Holy shit, I can't believe what I'm currently yeah. watching." Uh, and I do, I do think uh, in term, it takes a lot for a war movie to, um, to to elicit anything in me at this point because I've seen so many of them. But um, it's right up there with uh, Thin Red Line in terms of probably the, my favorite war movies I've been made in my <laughs> lifetime, at least. Probably. Uh, my two would be following because I put a lot of uh, a lot of my favorites are this is the greatest, the, the best movie I ever watched. But then uh, I hold even higher than that would be the ones that made me go, 
I want to make movies. This is my following is like in line with the, the other no budget films, the clerks and the, uh, the Robert Rodriguez, where it's just like, I, what do I have here? A budget of 20 K or whatever, a bunch of friends. Let's get in here. And it's also nice to just see like it is shot on weekends. I think for yeah, a year shot on weekends for a year. And that it was a lot of um, recitals because he only had so much film. Yeah, like, that, yeah. That he was paying for out of his own salary. But it's also just nice seeing because he is so young and not as experienced. It is interesting to see it from a, a very youthful perspective where it's just like, how do I get these characters to move? Well, I've got this one character that is uh, had his motivations, but the main character is just a man obsessed. And you see that in so many of his films later on. It's like, how do I get these characters moving? A man obsessed because writing characters is difficult and making them do things is difficult. So the easiest way to do it is just have them obsessed memento he's obsessed over his wife you know um trying to save the world that, that sort of obsession just my parents any of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. one character is like obsessed and a, maybe a little unhinged but you still empathize with him i feel like that's the strongest characters that maybe that comes from he writes with his brother right but uh the nolan brothers are very good at, at making <laughs> a, a man obsessed the Super Nolan Brothers. Super Nolan Brothers. <laughs> Wahoo! Wahoo! Uh, Darren, what's your... Wait, was that your number two? That was my or, two. Did you have number two? That was your two. Yeah, was, yeah. So this is my three. number two, then. No, I'm on my two. Your two? Okay. Yeah, I feel yeah. like you have a secret extra Nolan movie. I don't know. It's Doodlebug. No. Uh, yeah, that's a Doodlebug. My number two is yeah. The Dark Knight. Um, okay. For all the reasons outlined, it's the best superhero movie ever made. Uh, there's never been one that comes close. Uh, it's a virtuoso moment in American cinema. It's probably one of the great war and terror movies. It is a fascinating glimpse into the American psyche. And it's just a virtuoso blockbuster. It's Nolan making his first linear film. It is the first Nolan movie. And to date, the only the only Nolan movie that is entirely linear from beginning to end. And that feels like it's Nolan setting himself a challenge of, can I make a movie like everybody else makes a movie? And it's like, yeah, yeah, turns out he can. And then he goes and he does all his other crazy stuff (laughs) afterwards. Um, But yeah, Heath Ledger's performance. I think Christian Bale is great here as well. Uh, Eckhart has never been better. Um, It's just, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful movie that captures American spirit on Sallyhood. It's probably the closest that American pop cinema has produced to something like The Godfather in the past 20 years, uh, which is like taking a genre film and using it to tell a story that reflects the soul of the nation at that moment in time. Sorry, Marty. Um, Oh, I agree. I completely, I, I completely agree. Um, um, so now are we at our number ones? Should be at- you're at your number one. We have the same, have the same number one, Darren. Ah, by process of elimination. Fantastic. Because yeah, we, have, we, we haven't talked about it yet. Yeah, yeah, we haven't talked about it yet. Oh, Wait, so go Frost, for it. what's your number one? Tenet. Oh, yeah, there we go. My number oh, was Tenet, Tenet yeah. <laughs> okay. Nice. Absolutely. I respect it. Just absolutely. I respect as a, And that is just pure, like, as personal as it's ever going to get, where it's just like, I am obsessed with the with the the visualization the machinations of anything that's messing with space time i'll play video games it's like it's a 4d space i'll read books of like the 40s i probably spend more time reading textbooks than actual fiction i mean it, it is you know it is quantum and all that kind of stuff but to actually finally seeing it it is i don't know like a farmer growing up in the 1920s you get older and you're like we made it to the moon and just to see it <laughs> being visualized i'm like whoa that's so sick i figured interstellar would get me that way because you know i like that concept but again that's the Mm -hmm. whole sci-fi premise only the planets were really that neat um but yeah no tenant amazing from start to finish super simple so as you said i think that's that's the big thing is it is so accessible i feel like primer and all the other ones are harder to really wrap your head around to the point where this one he's like don't overthink it just go just go with it just feel it yeah Yeah. just feel it just just have a rip for it and then again the uh the the time war near the end it was just 
yeah my brain is just like oh, oh. That, that third act is yeah it's an incredible feat of filmmaking like, how do they absolutely. do that and again like the incredible casting and getting the best out of out of folks like uh, uh you know Pattinson john and john david washington and elizabeth debicki um that's his bond movie great cast but that is but that and even the dark the dark knight is very bond Oppenheimer's like, like, bond movie <laughs> i haven't seen well, that but i assume it's his bond movie <laughs> yeah i mean close enough it does have a bunch of like is it Soviets? Is it Soviets? Who knows? Who can say? That's um, going on. Smirsch. It does. Yeah, it does. I guess is. Uh, did Oppenheimer work for Smirsch? That is the question. Yeah. So <laughs> I guess the important thing. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, so our, I guess our number, our number, number one, Marty. Yeah. yeah, the Prestige. Um, uh, I I was fully on board with uh, Nolan by this point, and uh, when I heard he was making this movie, I read the book. I fucking adored the book, and I was like, let's see. I don't know if the movie can be as good <laughs> yeah. as the book. I watched the movie, and I was like just immediately like i need to see this several more times i saw it probably three or four times in theaters immediately brought it bought it on dvd and then bought it on blu-ray and this is probably his movie i've watched the most um i i love this sort of cat and mouse game between these these two rival magicians uh i think the supporting cast is phenomenal and i think the uh the the untangling of the the spaghetti bowl and and what the actual reveal is at the end is 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 like an absolute gut punch. It's one of those movies that I love showing to people for the first time. I mean, like, oh my God, look at this. I'm, I want I want to look at this when, when we get to these reveals. Is that and David what's remarkable Bowie? about it? <laughs> and David Bowie! <laughs> and David Bowie! Tesla. And apparently, like, uh, Murphy was modeled on Bowie. Murphy was told, like, when you're playing Oppenheimer, play him as Bowie. That's what oh, you should be oh, doing. Um, but, like, the thing about The Prestige, which is so remarkable, is that it tells you all of its twists ahead of time. If you're watching mm. the movie the second time, you're like, wait... They they just say what the twist is right now. They just yeah. showed me what the twist is. Well, you how see come... the, hat, the hats in the middle of yeah. the forest. And, yeah. yeah, and it's like so. How how does he do the trick cutter? And it, like literally, the first suggestion cutter has is, I'm telling you, the only way to do that trick is with a double, a double. Yeah. A, a double. And it's like, and then the movie spends so long then being like, no, it can't be a double. It must be something else. Yeah. That you're like, by the time it circles back around to, oh, yeah, um, it's it's amazing and it's so good. It's and again, even that opening shot where they explain the bird and the like the bird is in the cage and then it's in the hand, but it's not the same bird. It's just an identical bird. And it's like, gee, the movie literally just explained itself to me in mm-hmm. a single shot. It's in, like it is Nolan's best filmmaking, I would argue. Like, that's the thing. Like the prestige is where he kind of hones what he does to a fine blade and everything after that i think comes with a i'm trying x the dark knight is i'm trying a linear storytelling inceptions like i'm my favorite detail about inception is the idea came to him because he's like i always like slow motion movies but i couldn't think of a way to justify it so i needed a device to explain why action would be happening slowly and that was inception and i'm like like you 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 could have just used slow motion chris but i i like it um Zack Snyder like, has no problem. They, it's, it's diegetic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's I mean, it. Diegetic, like, slow diegetic slow motion. Like that's the problem he was trying to solve in the lab when he came yeah. up with Inception. But like the prestige is just so perfect from beginning to end. And it's a movie that is infinitely complex where I go back to it 
and I find something new in it every time. Is it a movie about man's relationship with God? Is it a movie about how bros will literally like cut off their own fingers rather than go to therapy? Is it a movie <laughs> about the idea of like the the one the one that got me the most recent rewatch, which is largely informed by what's happening in the world? Is it a movie about how Hollywood rather just like create a machine that could clone an infinite number of Hugh Jackmans at no additional cost without any thought about the consequences of it if they could? The answer, it turns out is yes um it's it's just it's such a layered rich complex movie about everything from materialism to capitalism to masculinity to violence to you know secrets to performance to theater to blockbuster filmmaking to arguably like debates about like film and digital where like Alfred Borden is like Nolan's love of film stock. It's the thing you can hold in your hand. It's defined by the scratches and the damage that it has. And Hugh Jackman is digital film, where you just push a button and make a copy of it, and the copy is flawless. And it's uncanny and uncomfortable, and it's not real. Um, like There's just so much in there that is so fascinating to think about, and it's all of that in a blender in about two hours, and it's got fucking David Bowie and Andy Serkis in it. I love it yeah. so much. Sorry, that's yeah. The supporting cast is so good. Um, yeah, yeah. The whole movie talked about. I know a bunch of people in the chat said, "Man, we need to rewatch it." Highly recommend. Like the movie, yeah. movie holds up uh, spectacularly. No I character says that for anybody. No character says who loves who's got two thumbs and loves blowjobs. <laughs> David Bowie as uh, Michael Nikola Caine. Tesla does not do that. Michael Caine. He's <laughs> <laughs> got two thumbs and locks blowjobs. <laughs> <laughs> He probably was the one who originally created that joke, uh, like in the 60s. So, yeah. <laughs> to, to be fair, I think like Hugh Jackman's first double may have said that and it may have ended up on the cutting room floor. Yeah, the, the drunk that they get. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've laid Faust, Hamlet, what has two thumbs and love blowjobs? Remarkable. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. Um, earlier, uh, Super Chat from Beast March. Thank you so much. Beast March, $5 dono, hot take. Nolan is overrated. Oh, no. We found our villain of the show. Uh, Inception is just the Star Trek holodeck malfunction scenario with philosophical pretensions. I don't I don't know Star Trek. So I, I, I see you that and I raise you. The prestige is just somebody thinking too hard about the transporter. Like it oh. doesn't make it. It's not a criticism. It's an observation yeah. and it's yeah. fair and it's brilliant. The prestige is the best Star Trek transporter episode oh, ever made. Oh. Um Oh no, yes. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, you, uh, Sever, you, you're a Star Trek fan too. Fantastic. I would, no, no, Darren. I, I watch things uh, <laughs> that does not make me feel. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, but you are familiar with the transporter. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah okay. Fantastic. Sorry. What is, does the transporter make a copy of you? That is the debate, right? So, okay, you have to go, Marty. You have a hard out. We do not have time. Yeah, it was like a well, semi, semi hard. Uh, there's a it's semi hard seven minutes ago. Um, it's not a. Uh, <laughs> Is that okay. was that an Oppenheimer sex scene spoiler? <laughs> Semi hard. Touche. <laughs> okay, very quickly. The transporter yeah. is like a fax machine. Think of it as a sender okay. and receiver. You get in okay. at one side, your molecules are sent over to the other side, right? The yes. thing with a fax machine is when you put the thing in, the original remains in the fax yeah. machine. So one of the big debates in Star Trek fandom in the 1970s, I think like James Bilch wrote a novel called Spock Must Die, which deals with this directly, which is the like the reason that like McCoy on the show hates the transporter, it's revealed, is because he's figured out that every time you get in the transporter they kind of soil they soil and green you they send a photocopy of you to wherever you're meant to be received and then the, the version of you in the transporter is just destroyed is so that like the canonical or is that a fan no. theory 
Okay. That's a fan theory because there's no other way logically to do. If you can transform people into energy and send them um, without the signal decaying, there's no reason why you wouldn't just store it. Like there's no reason why you wouldn't just send it without. You would have to justify destroying the original, basically, yeah, to do yeah. for the transporter to work. Yeah. Um. So the prestige is like that. Like I would not surprise me if like Christopher Priest was a Star Trek fan and was like, "Oh wait sure. a minute, yeah, wait a yeah. minute." Um, but yeah, I, I feel like uh, it's old school storytelling, and when I mean old school, I mean like around the campfire, where it's just like, here's my characters, and here's a moral. Having a moral does not mean philosophical pretentiousness. I, I think it is like because you picked up on it, and it wasn't deep. That just makes it accessible, you know. <laughs> that that is that yeah. is that haunting. Yeah, I I don't actually I don't consider him to be a pretentious filmmaker. Um, I think he he he. I think if anything, he tries to bring big ideas and package them in a way that um, the the every man can understand and a big audience can understand. Which uh, I almost feel like is the opposite of pretentious. Yeah, in that in that Un- untentious. What was that? Oh, every dumb person's idea of a smart man. I was like, he's more like a Carl Sagan. Where it's like not he himself was not the brilliant scientist. He is the one that helped us understand science. By simplifying yeah. things and just like as we peer out past billions and billions and you know you get to understand the concepts in a much easier uh, way to grasp and it presents it to other audiences. That's like that's why Tenet is my favorite. Where I'm just like, how can I explain my obsession with space time and how, what it would look like? So just watch that. It is confusing, yeah, but and it, I also it is visually pretty spot on. Be, be smart is be smart is saying that's why it's a hot take and he's laughing at that. Just yeah, it started uh, with a hot that take. Is, that's why. That is that yeah, is true. Fair, you listen, you call you call it I was a hot take. I'm not saying everyone is entitled <laughs> to their hot takes. Um but yeah, I uh I I uh I I also don't I'm not one of those people that like I'm not a big science guy, so I don't nitpick. I don't look for like the the gaps in logic if i follow it in a movie language then it's enough for me yeah. like an interstellar i'm following stuff and i'm like hey whatever yeah i guess this black hole i guess it's fifth dimensional beings that are just like <laughs> humans from a million years from now yeah, it's fine yeah like it checks out like i'm almost I, I like does it pass the storytelling sniff yeah. test and as long as it passes the storytelling sniff test then i'm fine with it not passing a, a hardcore science test because yeah. none of the shit's real. Everything's fake. As somebody who like barely understands string theory, I'm like, I can just assume there's something like that at play here. Yeah, um, there's, there's gotta be. There's a big old. You get to Saturn. There's probably a big old orb that you could go through to get to that yeah. weird planet. And then there's me. That's just like, oh, you put that in, did you? Ooh, I, Nolan. I, I love, by the way, that like that's Nolan's kind of like. Uh, kind of slight like impish raised eyebrow to Kubrick is like Kubrick's like yeah it's in the rings of Jupiter and no one's like yeah. fuck that we're going to Saturn we're going to Saturn <laughs> we're going further boys yeah yeah. Uh, uh-huh. yeah then instead of you got your obelisk and I got my I got my TARS yeah <laughs> I like when he starts rolling through the through the water when he like, starts oh, moving yeah. quickly when TARS yeah. has to move like, quickly I like this um, it's like Oh, you need to go. We cannot keep doing I, this. But yes, I yeah. do. Uh, SVS Guru with a five-year-old dono. Thank you so much, SVS Guru. Speaking of Trek, how much did you dislike the recent Spock Becomes Human episode? Spock became human? What does that mean? Is just yeah, ears? The, his ears got normal? Ears, yeah, yeah, it's a big joke is that his ears got kind of sorted. I mean, look, my my thing with that episode is that you're you're doing a Star Trek show that only has 10 episodes a year. You have a cast with like, seven regular cast members. You should not be doing Spock episodes. There are enough Spock episodes in existence. There are enough Spock movies in existence. We've had three actors playing spock we don't need more spock stories um that said i thought it was fine like i i'm not a huge fan of strange new worlds i don't think it's amazing i don't think it's brilliant i thought that episode worked 
reasonably well as kind of like a queer metaphor for Spock. Um, but yeah, that's 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 about it. I I thought the real problem was nothing to do with Spock. It was the Chapel thing, where Chapel gets one episode a year, and here it's a subplot about Spock learning that she loves him and how cool that makes Spock. Um, and I'm oh, like, that's not Chapel's that's arc. Not a, yeah, that's, that's not, a that's not an arc. Yeah. That's not an arc for Chapel. They're, like Chapel, Chapel also has a thing like, will I leave the ship or will I stay here with Spock who doesn't love me? And the resolution at the end is yeah, you should just be happy with where you are and what you're doing. And I'm like, that's, that's not, that's not a character arc either no. episode. Um, but yeah, your presence so that, helps this other, helps this man become a better character. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, we don't need that. So yeah. Like, shows. He is, he's played by Ethan Peck, who is the grandson of Gregory Peck, which is cool. Um, I'm oh, talking really cool. quickly. And, and so I'm, I realize that everything I say is keeping him here longer and I'm sorry. Um, I'm not the main character of the meeting. I'm missing. I'm a, okay. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a side yeah, but, I'm a background. But, I'm a background like, actor who can get scanned and then used in perpetuity. No, you're, oh, a, you're a cast member in Oppenheimer. You oh. like show up and the audience sits up and takes note. You're Casey Affleck. The I'm audience is the now. Door to this meeting. Yeah, the episode is like everybody's suddenly sitting forward and they're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Killian Murphy is in the shit now. Sure, he's being nice, but nothing is scarier than Killian, than, sorry, than Casey Affleck being nice. I'm going to get in this meeting. I'm going to try to be cool. And then they're going to be like, can you play SEO to us? And I'll be like, I cannot. <laughs> I am dumb. Uh, on that note, uh, we have a, we had a lot of other movies we wanted to talk about TV shows and stuff. We'll kick, we'll do next week. We'll just yes, do a big old, what we've been watching. We got no, 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 no one apologize. Everyone. This has, this has been a great episode next week. Uh, we'll, we'll have some thoughts on Oppenheimer. We'll have some thoughts on Barbie, a bunch of other movies we've been watching. I want to talk about Blackberry. We could talk about some past lives. I've been watching some Japanese animation. Ooh, I've been meaning anime, to, if you will. I've been meaning to start a DiCaprio watch again. Oh, oh that's, a, that's a good watch. That's a good watch. Blood, blood Diamond or Bust? Spoilers, Blood Diamond. I don't like Blood Diamond. <laughs> I admire Blood Diamond. Like, I, like, I like when Leo does a movie with like not a great director, and you can tell that the director has no control over him. Yeah. Like, it's ooh, like I'm it's, out of my league here. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the director's like I've learned to back away and just let what happens happen, and what yeah. what happens isn't always great, but it's a yeah. lot. Yeah, <laughs> so it's you're always gonna get a lot. That's the important thing. Yeah. Uh, ooh, a Leo rewatch. I really like that. That's that's, that's a good idea. idea. That yeah. is a good idea. Yeah. Let's put that back. You should set a curriculum. Uh, I should set a curriculum. Uh-huh. It's true. You could just yeah. Uh, right? Well, every every month, who who's gonna be the rewatch of the month? Baz Luhrmann. That's that is. Absolutely need. Do I have to watch Elvis again? Yes, you do. I not. Mama. <laughs> oh, mama, what happened? Uh, uh, before we go, Frost, what can what can folks check out? You got some heaters. You got some heaters on the website. Yeah, yeah some heaters. What we got here? Uh, new stuff of legends just popped at 100k. It's been doing pretty pretty Ooh, well. Doggy. Some yeah. Hot, hot stuff. You can go get the newest one on the early access. That's for the Patreons. And then new Coltec just come out talking about uh, the indie game identity and why I think it it could be in danger as you know indie gets eaten up in music industries, film industries, and you gotta you gotta we must protect indie at all costs. And that should be it. Just it's, a modest a, a garbage sixty k for that. Or day. yeah, thing things trash. But that came up yesterday. <laughs> Barely worth anything. Yeah, that's not like the most popular in the frame video added to the second yeah. most popular in the frame video. <laughs> It's uh, you you yeah, just kind of rename in the frame uh, Coltake. That's it. My plan is now to slowly t- like inception Frost and just yeah. get him to deliver like in the frames do, through. Yeah, I would love to do film <laughs> stuff as well. That'd be grand. We should absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. And then uh, we're doing the Dark Souls. Is is Nick in that meeting or 
We're fine. Uh, you are, uh, according to YouTube, you're doing Dark okay, Souls so, with Nick in an hour yeah. and 15 minutes. We'll put my armor back on because we're going back into Medjula Oblongata. Oh, cool. You got you to be able to fight that. What was his name? The Berserker? No, the Perseverer? The Pursuer. The Pursuer. I'm following. The Perseverer. It's the following. Yeah. <laughs> you got to fight that Perseverer. <laughs> that's, uh, that's like a monster with self esteem issues. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> awesome. And then uh, you'll be, uh, although Amy's out, you'll be back Friday and Sunday, uh, normal stream slots with Will. Yep, yep. You guys will be up to your shenanigans. Uh, we're going to do some weekend bangers. Like what? The crazy one. I'm, I'm compiling the list for all the thumbnails and stuff for that. Oh, hell yeah. That way we can uh, yeah. tell you guys about all that tomorrow or next time. Hell yeah. Uh, Darren, what about you? Uh, yeah, so I have a review of Oppenheimer coming. That is being ended at the moment as we speak. So I'm hoping it'll come tomorrow or Thursday. It'll maybe be on Friday either. I like that. It'll be on one of the next couple of days. I don't know which one. Uh, if it's not that one, it'll Monday. probably be the next one. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing. Monday week, let's say. Yeah. But um, yeah, so that'll be online. Obviously, tomorrow uh, I'm doing out of, uh, out of focus the website, which is the weekly column looking at things where I have no editorial oversight whatsoever. So I'm writing about the prestige and how much I love the prestige. Um, so that's <laughs> well, on no there. That is it. Uh, tomorrow, I'll also be talking about Secret Invasion. On Thursday, we'll be talking about Strange New Worlds Episode 6. Episode 7, I can't remember which one it is. Whichever one it is, that is the one I am talking about. And then on Friday, uh, a piece on Oppenheimer, because I have not seen Barbie yet. Uh, that is the thing. If it sounds like I'm being overly pro-Oppenheimer, it's because I have not seen Barbie yet. I would like to talk about Barbie, but I cannot talk about Barbie. There's like an early screening I could go to tomorrow night, Ooh. but it's during breakout, so I can't. Oh, okay. It's not like a press screening or anything. It's just like yeah. my theater has like a fan screening. Our, like, oh, what? that's uh, cool. The Irish critic screening is two hours before it opens. Which oh, is oh geez. Oh, you don't even know. I thought the fan screening thing would just be everywhere. No. Oh, hell. I need to see it. Oh, no. Apparently, else, apparently, yes. I wonder if that's the Killian Murphy thing. I wonder if Warners are like, fuck, we've lost Ireland. Like, Killian Murphy, fine. They get that oh, no. market. Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> like, if you, go, if you go to, like, the biggest cinema in Ireland, Cineworld, what, what my partner used to call the movie Warehouse is how yeah. they described it. Uh, and the movie Warehouse. It's just a multiplex that is, like, corridors of cinemas. Yeah. There's a tiny, there's, like, a nice little bar for Barbie, but the, the side of the building is a <laughs> poster of Killian Murphy. <laughs> and they, they had just removed Banshees of Inishirin. They're like, oh, yeah most irish movie we can get yeah. <laughs> perfect uh yeah and then uh my stuff check out uh the video uh quest log just went up uh chris mcmullen uh speaking of the irish chris mcmullen <laughs> wrote a great piece on that awful uh, last of us knockoff game uh i did the vo oh. for the for the piece and then uh matt did a banger job editing it check that out it is it is very fun he played the game so so you don't have to uh, and then all, yeah, all the normal streams this week. There's some rumors, some scuttlebutt. Barbie week could start Friday. Ooh. So we don't. Does know. it run to the following Friday or just to Barbie Sunday? month? Barbie okay. year. So we're, we're we're figuring things out, but it, we could we put, could be getting a Barbie stream on Friday. We don't know. We don't know. We got to see how Adventure is Nice doing. Uh, and then uh, later this evening, I'll be streaming on my personal channel. I'll be finishing Eco and finishing out some other stuff to play. Probably on five thirty Central. Um, and that about does it for us. So for uh, Frost and Darren, this was Marty. This was the recap episode number 39. Uh, thank you all so much for, for tuning in, for hanging out. Oh, my God. We didn't even talk about fucking Mission Impossible. That movie was good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll do a Tom Cruise rewatch for the next 
<laughs> then we'll come in hot. Tom Cruise, Leo, eh, they're all the same. It's fine. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, imagine that version of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Sorry, you need to get to a meeting. So. Uh, yeah, it's fine. I'm only 20 minutes late. Uh, thank you guys so much for hanging out. Uh, uh, tune in back uh, a little over an hour for us to be back with uh, Nick and playing Dark Souls 2, and we'll see you all soon. Bye, everyone. The Firm's a good yeah. movie. Jump on. <laughs>